Well, by the way, Doctor, is mystery your sole pleasure? Young man, what could be more pleasant than mystery? Well, music, for instance. Music, why, of course. Music, Music, for instance. Music, for instance. Feel on top of the world. Yeah. 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 One, two, one, two. And we back, and we back. Welcome back to another episode of Orion Radio. I'm your host, Kia Orion. Thank you for tuning in. Um, this is coming to you live. This is going to be New Year's. This is New Year's. This is going to be coming to you on January 1st, 1-1-2018. How crazy is that? We made it to another year, folks. Another one down. Um, I've said this before. And, you know, I say it every year, but this is the year, man. I know I say that every fucking year, but this is the year. This is the one. I can feel it. Um, definitely have a fun show for you today with my friend, uh, Miriam. But before we get into that, I just want to talk to you real quick about the holidays. How did yours go, by the way? You kick it with the fam? You kick it with your significant other? You go through that, uh, dysfunctional family shit? You have a good time? You get some presents? You give some presents? Um, I made out like a bandit. I got a pan. I got this... A uh, little bit, actually, to be honest, one of the best gifts that I got was this external hard drive because doing these podcasts has been eating up a ton of my data. So, or not data, but my hard drive space. So, shout out mom for coming through. I shout out, I shout her out in just about uh, every interview, but it's uh, <laughs> it's it's acknowledgement that's this I received. Mom, mom's the real MVP. So, I'm gonna keep this intro um, brief because the interview runs a little long. Um, but I hope that you're holding up. I hope you're as excited about this new year as I am. I'm feeling like, you know, a lot can change in the year, man. So new goals, um, you know, uh, some amendments to some old ones, but we're here, we're living, we're doing the damn thing. Um, so my host, excuse me, what am I saying? My guest this week, Miriam, she is a recent salmonella survivor, which we talked about for probably 30 to 45 minutes, but I cut it out because we got into all this other good shit. She's a social activist. Um, she's she's just an all-around rock star, and we talk about all sorts of stuff, a lot of hip-hop. We talk about her come up in, uh, in King of Prussia as a Muslim-American and all sorts of different stuff. This one gets... This one gets we tackle some issues. We'll say that. Well, I actually say Miriam tackles the issues. I just kind of sit back and uh, listen listen as she drops some gems on me. So uh, shout out to Miriam for coming through, chopping it up in the boys' kitchen for a couple hours. And um, yeah, I hope I hope you guys enjoy this and, and get as much out of it as I did. Um, I, I'll plug all of her stuff in the show notes if you want to get at her. She's active on Twitter, on the gram. She's a social media guru. I've I've sat down with her before, just getting coffee. Had her give me some tips on social media just because she knows, she knows what the fuck is good. So, uh, this is my episode with Miriam LRB. Um, all the infos in the show notes. Come get them. Um, I'm I'm stoked. I'm stoked for this new year, y'all. Let's let's do it big. All right. Thank you again for tuning in. Orion Radio over and out. Deuces. Interesting to me how 
people, especially if it comes to like immigrant families, mm-hmm. and like how you end up somewhere. And I think, like you said, a lot of it has to do with cultures. Have you heard of this um, comedian Hassan Minaj? Yo, so what's crazy is, not to pull the, I've known about this person since before they were a yeah, thing, yeah. but so I saw him perform stand-up when I was a senior in high school. So this was 2010. Yeah, so like seven years ago, saw this guy do stand-up because I had applied to go to school at Bryn Mawr, which is where I ended up going. Mm-hmm. I applied ED, and I think I had gotten my acceptance letter at this point. Um, and my, so my mom was finishing up her grad studies at Bryn Mawr. And so I forget how we found out about it, but he was performing at Bryn Mawr. So I was like, let's go. Because I think I had already heard, like, seen him online because he used to make these videos with, the, <laughs> with these guys in, in California called, I think it was Goat Face Comedy or something like that. And so I had kind of seen this guy. And like at that point in my life, it was like, if there is anyone who's Muslim who's doing something, like I'm about it's it. a thing. So I'm like, <laughs> there's a Muslim doing stand-up. We're going. So we went, and he was really funny. And I remember... Yeah, I, I remember I remember that and just being like, that's cool. I think, yeah. Because yeah, yeah. I'm not sure if you've seen his stand-up special, Homecoming mm-hmm. King, but mm-hmm. it's because his, which was awesome, but he was also on the Gary Vee show not too long ago I saw, oh, but yeah, also yeah. watching his stand-up special, it was so much about being Muslim yeah. and, you know, being Muslim and American and trying to figure it out. And the mm-hmm. whole time I was thinking of you, like, because yeah. he's also really into hip hop culture yeah. and like, yeah, yeah. how do you want to be cool, but also balancing that with your traditional yeah, values. And yeah. there's some shit that like, sometimes your parents, your parents seem really dope. Yeah. Um, his, it sounds like sometimes are a little bit more old school, just don't quite yep, get yep, it. Yep, yep, yep. So for young Miriam, you know, growing up in the hood, you know, of, <laughs> the ki- of King of Prussia, of King of Prussia, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> of King of Prussia you yeah, know what I mean? Growing up in the, in the, summer, in the yeah. projects, in the, you know, out in the cornfields yeah. and uh, going, um, you know, apple picking and shit. How, <laughs> how was it for you kind of growing up? Yeah. Uh, you know, and, and shout out to your parents too, which yeah. it sounds like, the theme of the podcast will be, but it seems like they were pretty cool. Did you, what was it like navigating that for you? Yeah, it's, I think about it a lot. Um, I was thinking about this yesterday, actually, how at such a young age you recognize that you're different if you're different. Mm. And so it started for me because I went to Islamic school, like an Islamic private school, like the equivalent of like Catholic school for someone. Um, is it really conservative like Catholic school? Um, no, it wasn't quite as, it was actually, it, it was set up as a Montessori, it was a Montessori school. So oh, cool. and, like a Montessori school, a little more groovy. but that ha- that was, you know, um, also like an Islamic school. So we had like Arabic class or we had Islamic studies. Um, want to specify that Arabic is not Islam. Like there's a lot of like Arab supremacy within like the Muslim community. Um, but it's just like the, the Quran was revealed in Arabic. So that's why we studied Arabic. Um, yeah, and it was, it was cool because I grew up with all these Muslim kids from totally different backgrounds, which I think was such a, an, an important formative experience to have because um, we were all Muslim, but like I remember like we were Libyan. We had friends that were like half white, half Afghan. This girl that was Moroccan. There were um, students that were black. There was like half Palestinian, half white. Um, We had Turkish friends, you know, so we were just like from everywhere. And, you know, I think at that age when you're so young, it's not something that's necessarily spoken because 
how do I say this? It's like we didn't have to talk about it, yet it also wasn't erased, you know? So it wasn't one of those things where it's like regardless of race, it felt more like it was inclusive of race, you know? So it was like everybody brought something to the table, but it was not threatening, you know? Like it was cool, like, oh, you're from there, I'm from here. It's almost like people are repping their hood, you know? It's like <laughs> yeah, yeah. there's this, this like, I think, and again, an unspoken sort of mutual respect. Um, granted, like we all fell under like, the label of Muslim, so there was that level of familiarity. Um, but yeah, so then in first grade, we spent half the year at the local public school and then went back to the private school for second grade, and then in third grade, went back to the like public elementary school in our neighborhood because my brother and I like tested out of the school, so essentially too smart and shit whatever (laughs) (laughs) whatever yeah i mean no we were like we my mom had us take those tests and do for the gifted program and whatever and so we did that i think starting in fourth grade and that's a twin bro i have a twin bro yeah yeah you you both are killing it at that point sure it's weird so (laughs) we are we both were always in on the gifted track but we were never like the top of the class you (laughs) know so i was always like taking ap's but I was always coasting and like wouldn't have passed AP Calc if my friends weren't passing me notes. You know, like if they didn't <laughs> yeah, carry me, yeah. oh, like I wouldn't my have made college it. Experience. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, for sure. But, so, you know, important skills to learn, you know, collaboration. It very, like, dude, sometimes I argue even more important is collab. Like you said, yeah. no one, ha- who to go to for what? Yeah, truly. How to make friends. And it was like everybody always like brought something to the table. So, like, you know, I was way better with the like writing stuff. Or we, had, we had this really dope English teacher who used to just let us make iMovie as projects and we worked really hard on them but then also some of them were complete and utter nonsense but like when you're an English teacher or when you're a writer you always can find meaning in something and so he would always treat them like they're the most profound thing ever and we were like nah it's just shitty (laughs) (laughs) it was awesome so was it like a group of just like you found kind of your mean girls kind of group no actually so I was um Actually, I see, I already, I, I like lost track of the question. So you're asking about like identity and stuff growing up. So, so by the time I got to the elementary school in third grade, there were so many things that made me stick out. Like one, I was the new kid. Mm-hmm. Two, so everybody would talk about like what they did together in kindergarten. And I'd be like, man, there's all this time that I, you know, wasn't here. Already wasn't a part in third of grade, you start to feel that. Yeah. And then um, I remember there was this one particular group of girls that I really, really like wanted I remember every single one of their names too because we all went up through high school together and I really wanted to be friends with them and they would not let me in the group and of course it was all white girls every single one of them and there was the leader of the pack and then uh they're like fine you can be in the group but you have to there was on the blacktop in the back where we used to have recess there was like this huge painted mural thing on the ground of the United States of America so they're like hey you have to stand on the America thing on the blacktop and face the American flag on the school and have to say the Pledge of Allegiance and I don't know that it was like a racial thing or not like but it was definitely like, like initiation it was yeah. it's weird like it's weird and I did that and then was like in the group but always outside of it yeah. which was just like the perfect metaphor for my existence as an American <laughs> it's like I'm technically an American and yet like yeah. a qualified American, you know, it's like a Muslim American, and still an Arab American, treated like maybe yeah, not totally, like not part of like it. I'm not central to the group. I'm optional, you right. know. Um, and so that was really tough because I think that 
was the start of a lot of insecurity that I had growing up and always like wanting to be one of the white girls. Um, but then when I would go hang out with my Libyan cousins, I was never Libyan enough because yeah. I wasn't as fluent as they were in Arabic or like their parents were way more strict. They'd be like, oh, you don't get it. Your parents are like, they don't, they're, they're chill. Like you don't have as many rules as we do. But then I would go hang out with the white people, white friends. And it was like, my parents were more strict. There were different yeah. rules. We did different things. And so I just, I never quite fit, which now this like narrative feels like it's become a bit of a cliche for, for given how many, I think first generation Americans like feel this way. Um, so yeah, <clears throat> from like that young age. Were there any Muslim kids then in that new school? Mm, I mean, there was my brother, my cousin. But f- family, I'm not going to say family counts in that. It yeah, <laughs> that no, 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 no. So as far as, not that come to mind. Not that I knew personally. So it's just in, in, any other minorities? Is it all white folks? There were some minorities, but I think the problem at that age too was that like the white group of girls was the coveted group. So like I yeah. didn't want to go hang out with if there were like other South Asian kids or if there were um, you know like Asian American kids or Hispanic kids, which there was basically no Hispanic or Black population at our school. Yeah. Um, it was like, no, I want to be with the white girls. But I think that like faded very, I mean, like that became a non-issue definitely by the time I got to middle school because I was like, I need better people in my life. But there was still always this nagging sense of me like wanting to be a part of that group. Um, and then, I, so I was in third grade when 9-11 happened. And I, I like cannot pinpoint the moment when I realized that I was Muslim and that the people who were flying those planes also called themselves Muslim. But I just know that at some point in that when I was eight is when I made the connection or by the time I was in fourth grade. But I like, I don't remember what that moment exactly was. Uh, Do you remember what class you were in when you found out or I don't, I didn't find out till I went home oh. and I remember seeing it happen on the TV because my parents were like glued to the TV. Yeah. <laughs> I walked into the room, saw one of the planes and at this point it was like, the news reel or the, the Did news like the clip playing on, it. Yeah, over and over. And they like ushered me out and that's it. Like, I don't really remember. Like, I don't remember a conversation happening. I don't remember. It's another thing I should ask them. But I remember going to school the next day. I remember like an announcement being made. I remember standing that day for the Pledge of Allegiance. So the fact that I can remember it and I can remember what I was wearing makes me think that maybe I had like made the connection like that quickly. Yeah, I was in Miss Laureen's class. I don't know why I remember that. But... Yeah, and so then I think, like, that's when the whole, like, identity stuff, like, kind of really started to bubble up, and there was, again, this tension between I'm Muslim, and I want to own that, but also, like, ugh, I don't want to be Muslim. Like, I don't want to be Arab. I just want to be white. Yeah. Because I don't want to be different, um, which, is, like, in retrospect, is so sad that as kids, because it's natural, like, as humans, like, we want to be a part of the group, but... I think sometimes we don't give enough credit to kids and their like keen sense of awareness because it would have been really helpful for me to talk about that yeah. with someone. Um, but of course, like at eight, you're not going to be talking to kids about their identity. You don't want to like put that burden on them. Um, but yeah, I was like very keenly attuned to it. And then by the time I was in high school for sure and middle school, I was still kind of struggling, always trying to fit. And, like, now that I'm older, I've realized that I'm never going to be part of one group. I'm kind of, like, I'm friends with a lot of individuals. I have some groups, but I'm not part of one group. You know, Mm -hmm. like, I don't have a squad. 
because I think that it can be really limiting and I would rather have a ton of people I have like a few very close friends but then I just have such a diverse group of people that I would call friends and they're not all connected but it's dope because I kind of get a little something different from all the groups that I am a part of like I've got my Muslim friends I can talk about like some spirituality stuff I've got my Arab friends that I can cook with or listen to music or just be Arab with and have that shared context I've got my friends you know like your MMP, my like MMP, your brother, friends, you, you know, yeah. all these people that I can, that I have such a deep, like important bond with just sort of shared values in the way in which we view the world and kind of the world that we want to live in. Yeah. Um, and just like this really deep connected, um, connectedness over social justice, I think. So, and so, so yeah, now I view it as a good thing. Cause I'm like, wow, it's, it's so liberating that I can, I can be friends with everyone and I feel like I've learned so much just from being exposed to so many different kinds of people that it almost makes it tough when I go back to certain groups and I'm like y'all are problematic AF because <laughs> yeah. it's hard and it's like yeah. we have a deep like connection for instance like about our Libyanness. but then once we start talking about LGBTQIA plus issues I'm like y'all are like I, I can't I almost can't have those conversations because I find them so upsetting and yet I know that I also have to because it's you know just like as an Arab as a Muslim I'm like y'all my not like my non-Muslim white friends y'all need to like handle this conversation because like I can't do this all the time I can't be the one fighting um and so I feel very much like that responsibility when it comes to marginalized communities that I'm not a part of but that I'm in solidarity with so Mm. like I don't identify as you know LGBTQIA plus and yet have found like so much support and love within that community. And I guess by extension, I would, you know, being a part of that community can just be like being really close friends or like people that I consider family who um, are queer and they're out, but they can't be out to their family or they can't be out yeah. to. And so then I'm like, yo, I have to have those conver- those difficult conversations and I would rather lose friends sticking up for what's right and like speaking that truth then sit there and be quiet because like that's how this shit gets perpetuated because we don't want to be uncomfortable we don't want to put in that work of like having that conversation but I'm like no if you if you don't if you're not at least willing to acknowledge that you have learning to do or that you're like bigoted or um homophobic or racist or anti-black whatever it is it's like then the friendship can go because yeah. it's, it's just, yeah. But yeah. So man, this is the longest answer. Ever. No, no. But, um, I, I think that's important. So, and there's yeah. so much in there that, that we could tackle. Um, but, but so real quick back to, yeah. to Hassan, Hassan Minaj, people like that were so important growing up because there were no Muslim role models. There was no Muslim representation. Um, and so like, I remember, like in that experience I learned so much about solidarity or like cross-cultural shared experiences so like even yesterday I just rewatched this <laughs> have you ever seen the movie Bend It Like Beckham of course okay with yeah Knightley. yeah with Kira Knight yeah, yeah. Back in the day. and um yeah like so that movie was huge for me because I played soccer growing up and even though I didn't share all of like you know she was in the UK and she was Indian her family was Indian 
and they were Sikh and there were like a couple like anti-Muslim jokes in it, but that were very funny because there are these like tensions between minority religious groups, but it's not the same as when a white person in America says something about right. like Muslims. It's kind of like this different side tension yeah. between people who are already marginalized and there's like a power dynamic there. But so like, you know, movies like that where I felt so like it was so relatable or like seeing her aunties in that movie I'm like yo I've got I like I grew up with so many like Pakistani friends so I'm like yo that reminds me of this auntie or that auntie or like this reminds me of my Libyan aunt or my you know whatever um and then the soccer thing and all that so I love that movie or uh my big fat Greek wedding was another mm. one like that people like love these movies but I love like these movies like mean something like <laughs> they really do ooh, they the are like die for those deep. movies if they, but like, then it's like culture. when you grew up as a first generation something like those movies are life affirming because then you finally you like you you feel like you see yourself reflected on screen um in some capacity and so then you know comics like Hassan it's like it's dope to see a Muslim do their thing and do it well. Yeah. Um, but I also don't want to confine him to just being an Indian American Muslim comic, right? Cause he's a comic, a comic who's good at what he does. The fact that he's a Muslim is dope for someone like me to see like it's possible at that young age. Um, and then as far as like recently the most, and I've talked, I don't know if I've talked to you about this yet, Scam that Norwegian show. Yes. Okay, yeah, because yeah, your podcast. Yeah, so so we we started a podcast about it. Um, so I'm, what? I'm now 24. I guess I was like maybe 23 when I started watching the show. Yeah, so so I'm 23 watching this show with a character for the first time that I'm like that is me specifically. It's this character uh, named Senna, and she's a Norwegian um, Muslim girl, and her. I think in the show she's like her parents are Moroccan um and like she's kind of feisty you know not feisty but she's like she's she's got kind of a tough exterior yeah. she speaks her truth she like checks people she holds to her identity like her her muslimness and her arabness are like important to her but she's friends with this group of white girls and then she ended up getting her own season. So each season of the show, there's four seasons, and each one kind of does a deep dive into one character's life. Mm. So it's the same overall cast, but first season was one character, and blah, blah, blah. So Senna got the fourth season, which I was super emotional about. So I was like, damn, they gave the Muslim girl a proper season. She's not just a character on the side. And like, it, I think it was the first time that I really was like this is media that was made with me in mind mm. and like this it was really emotional to watch it and like certain certain episodes even just with her storyline unrelated to her being muslim but just like her personality being kind of like ostracized by the group i was like damn did they stalk my life like there was like such specificity with things that it was coincidental that that also happened in my life but it was like very emotional because i was like what whoa, whoa well, like this feels so incredibly personal. And so, yeah, it was, it was like so moving. <laughs> Me and two of my friends who are equally obsessed with the show started our own podcast about it. And it's an episode and episode rewatch podcast. So we go back, watch an episode, talk about it for hours, try to cut it down to an hour. I and think, then, right, that's yeah, the hard part yeah. um, with me too. I think that's also really, like you said, first of all, 23 years, which is crazy. It's the first time it happened. Mm -hmm. And then also the power of media. Yo. Just to see yourself reflected yeah. through the it's TV so or through music, whatever. I think we sometimes um, 
I mean, I think we understand the power of media, but then also, like Aziz, I've heard Aziz talk about that before, mm-hmm. being like, he's like, how many brown people are there? You know what I mean? Or like, how many Asian people in general mm-hmm. are there? That, that I, I, as a white guy, I'm so numb to it yeah. because I just constantly see myself. Yeah. And so there's this concept of, it's called like windows and mirrors. And so windows are an opportunity to watch something and you learn something about somebody who's different than you. So you get through media, through film, through shows, through art, through screen, anything, whatever, it can be yeah. painting, it can be music. So you are being given a window in versus mirror, which is I'm watching something that reflects me back to me. And how there has to be a balance between the media we consume where you're watching things with a lot of windows because you need to be conscious of other people and how they live or, you know, what their stories are, how somebody might be different than you in order to empathize or just like broaden your mind and not always have yourself centered in the story. Um, But then like I really, really learned through that experience of watching SCOM, like how important it is to have mirrors because having like mirrors validates you exactly you know that's a like you need to be validated as a human with specificity you know so I needed to be able to see you know she's not an Arab Muslim American she was a Norwegian um Arab Muslim girl but the parallels were so strong and it was like damn like my story is worth being told too and told well and told not for a niche audience of Muslims who are going to go support the Muslim film or the Muslim comic or the Muslim artist, but for a mainstream audience, because my story is for everyone. It's not just for us. Right. Um, yeah, so like media is so important and powerful. And I also remember growing up, I think the reason now, I am constantly consuming media all day long, music, film, shows, books, whatever, initially because... Like, growing up, I didn't listen. My parents, like, didn't play the Beatles growing up. You know, like, we listened to some Arabic music. There was, like, some Bob Marley thrown in there. My dad has a soft spot for Johnny Cash. <laughs> okay. But, like, I didn't listen to the Beatles or, like, the Rolling Stones or whatever it was. Yeah. It was, like, so I felt like, oh, I'm missing something. And I never wanted to be the person who missed or didn't get the reference. The FOMO was a real growing yeah. up. And so I just started, like, absorbing everything. So I was like, I need to know everything about everything so that way... I'm prepared, you know? Right. Um, and I think now it's just led to this, like, love of media and music and consumption. And when, did, so when did the hip-hop start to come onto your radar? Probably from a really young age, because I, I have a cousin who's a lot older than me, and she used to just, like, drive us around and would play her music. And so it was, like, man, it ranged from Michael Jackson to the Backstreet Boys to Daddy Yankee, to, you know, so it was kind of, like, always there. I think probably I started to, like, respect hip-hop for what it was in college. Oh, wow. So it was after high school that it started to really... Yeah, I think, like, I, I mean, I listened to everything growing up, but I was still, I think, in high school trying to, like, fit in with the white kids, so I was listening to shit that I didn't even like. And, like, in retrospect now, it just sounds nostalgic when I hear these songs because it reminds me of when I was, like, 17. But I was, like, trying to get into, like, Dashboard Confessional. Yeah. Um, you definitely, I feel like, had an emo phase in there. I was, I listened to, I actually liked a lot of the, like, pop punk stuff. So I was, like, really, really into um, Panic at the Disco. Like, uh. knew every, I probably still know every word to, to their first couple albums. 
um, Fallout Boy, Good Charlotte. Papa Roach, a little bit of Good Charlotte. Um, there was like some Anne Berlin in there, oh. some Sum 41. Yeah, it was just like this like weird mix of essentially what I at the time was just ca- like characterizes like white people music. Because I wanted to be it, like I wanted to be cool and in. That's all. Hello, goodbye. That's all we, yeah, but that's all, yeah, all of that on. stuff. Um, I still really like Panic at the Disco's music. Like I actually liked. There were a couple groups in there that I genuinely liked. So like Panic at the Disco, I really actually liked and still do like their music. Um, but I'm trying to think. You like, ever get when... on that Limp Bizkit tip? No. No. <laughs> <laughs> Probably wrong. <roll. laughs> that was my shit for a minute. What else? Uh, yeah, what so when did so so the hip hop so in high school hip hop isn't a pivotal part. I w- I don't want to say that it's not a pivotal part because the other thing about hip hop was, like hip hop music was the only place where I ever heard any reference to Muslim stuff uh. because, like the influence of the nation of Islam, um, and particularly like the black Muslim experience is so prevalent uh in hip-hop and in philly mm-hmm. actually no i lied so i think some of the hip-hop stuff started definitely in high school because now i'm remembering like there were a couple like conscious rappers i guess you, you would say in that it's phase always, too, you, you have to start always. this lyrical spiritual miracle <laughs> shit um it really like pretentious about it too. No, yeah. I try not to be. No, no, no. I'm not saying now, oh, but like back in the day, oh, you'd yeah, be yeah. Like, oh, only listen. I only listen. To, yeah, yeah. comedy. <laughs> yeah, and dead no, press. So there was a. There's this one artist that has had a huge influence on my politics, and his name is Loki, and he's from the UK, of course. Obsessed with. I think the UK is uh. just like that is where I found my like musical home because mm. everything I listen to. Now, I mean, it's predominantly UK artists. I don't know why, but yeah. So his name was Loki. And he was half British, half, I think he's half Iraqi. And he started coming out with uh, all this music that was like anti-imperialist, anti-Zionism, pro-Palestine. And it was good. And I was like, dude. And so he was like one of the first artists who kind of like politicized me. Because I was, I always grew up supporting the Palestinian struggle. Like I remember being young enough that I was on my dad's shoulders at, rallies for Palestine Mm. um and so that was also kind of like my initial exposure to injustice and the fact that we can say something about it but then when I'd go to school it was like we don't talk about Palestine because everybody's pro-Israel so we can't um and they would try to host these like mock dialogues but it was always pro-Israel like it was never it never factored in the oppressed person's Mm. experience it was always like we just want people to be peaceful so like don't fight back it's like, what do you mean you want it to be peaceful if you're bulldozing people's homes down? Right. You want them to just take that? Like, what? Or there was always, like, this convenient way that they would start the story when a Palestinian revolted or when a fa- Palestinian fought back. Hmm. Not back when yeah, the first... someone took their shit. Right. <laughs> you know? Or right. killed their kids or arrested their kids or interrogated their, you know, spouse or, or, you know, imprisoned their family member without charges for years. Like, there's all these gross gross injustices that happened but that's not where we start the book we start the book right here when the palestinian finally says enough right um and yeah so like uh low-key and this other artist akala who are both still like killing it um really kind of like got me got you going yeah so high school miriam by the time you're a senior 
you're thinking of going to college. What do you, what do you want? Any idea what you want to do with your life? What yeah, are you sort of so spending your time doing? What are you, where are you at? at that age, so, so my senior year is when I started wearing hijab, like the headscarf. Oh, cool. And I think that's when I was like, I am Muslim. <laughs> like people need to know. Cause I, I like, so the superlative that I got, whatever voted for in high school was most involved. So mm. I was in student council all four years. I was in model UN. I was in, it was called the Viking channel, which was our high school's our local Upper Marion TV show was called The Viking Channel, and the high school students would film, like, games or, sport, like, sporting oh, events. Cool. So I would be, like, commentator for soccer games, or I'd be filming swim meets. Um, I was involved in – I started an Invisible Children Club. I mean, I was I was You're doing a lot of involved shit. in everything. And, and so then my senior year of high school, I was voted student council president. And I, that was right at the same time that all that stuff was happening in New York with the quote-unquote – ground zero mosque mm. and people would be like Muslims should not build it so close it's insensitive and it's blah 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 and we're being like what first of all we didn't do anything second of all if it's our right then it's our right I don't understand this like respectability thing where we shouldn't because it's apparently insensitive it's not ins- it, the whole like excuse me premise of the argument was problematic AF and so at that point I was just I started feeling that like fire, you know, that like the fire of injustice, which I think has just been burning ever since. Uh, and so I was like, you know what? I need this freaking town to know that I'm Muslim. So that when they look back in the yearbook or when they see me out in the community doing stuff, when they see that, oh, that girl's student council president, that I'm Muslim. Because like there needs to be Muslim. Yeah. Because they need to like wake up. And at that time, I was also very much like carrying the burden of, I need to change people's perceptions. Now, I don't give a shit. <laughs> if you're a bigot, you're a bigot. I'm doing me. Don't, like, don't mess with me because I will not take it. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's, then it's going to go sideways. But um, at the time, I really felt this need to like, change people's perspectives. And, which I think there can be something valuable to that, too. Like, if you, as a minority, feel like you have the capacity to build those bridges or kind of extend that olive branch, more power to you. But I think now, like, eight years later, I'm a little bit tired. Yeah. <laughs> I need a break. Uh, yeah, so, so by my senior year, that's when I was really, like, I am who I am, and I'm embracing my identity. Um, yeah, and so then going into college. And the idea what you wanted to be? Oh, yeah, so I was like, I'm going to be an international human rights lawyer. I'm going to oh, speak okay, all these so, languages. Okay. I'm going to go save everything. And then I went to Bryn Mawr, which is a liberal arts college, and I learned so much. I ended up majoring in international studies, minoring in history. Realized taking French was not my passion. So like after eight years, I like, quit French. Um, I had taken a little bit of Spanish in high school. I still think there's something extremely valuable about learning languages. I, I think too. it's a travesty that we treat it as an elective rather yeah. than a requirement. Because it's like, oh, you We're won't need it. Place. You won't need it. Or the- just take Spanish because they're the... Like, rather than respecting languages and saying, take Spanish because it's a beautiful, rich language with so much history. Or, you know, take French because whatever it is, um, we just, like, commodify language. And we've decided as this like as a country the decision has been made that learning language is a cheap commodity it's not important and it's because everybody else has to learn our language yeah so we can treat it like that where yeah. no other place can treat it like it's that. no wonder americans like never know what's going on in the world because we we don't ever get taught to care about what's happening I, in the world I, we don't value language and language is hard to learn Dude. and it is a part of a, it's a cultural experience to learn another language I, I think that's part of it too when i my brother 
I'll see him speak Spanish with people mm -hmm. if that's their first language. And you can just see that like there's if you can speak someone's language yeah. and not totally butcher it like I do, I think there's a thing where it says I respect yeah. you because mm -hmm. you at least value my culture yeah. enough to be able to speak my language. Yeah. And so, you know, I think like I think you're right that it just it just shows that that idea that you care at least enough to yeah. know, it, you know, and I'm trash. I want to get better. <laughs> I will. I promise someday I will. Download Duolingo. Um, <laughs> yeah, I've like tried. 20 minutes a day. I'm so bad. Um, there was this. Uh, That's all right, though. Yeah, there's this this adult Spanish class I was taking my first oh, year to sweet. Philly, but I, I haven't done it in a minute. But I want to get back to it. But either way, so you're doing that. You're in college. You're killing it. Um, <laughs> senior Senior year comes around in college, and you're – you have the international studies, you have the history. What, what was the sort of, I, are you still constantly sort of consuming media hip hop mm. stuff at the same time? This is sort of equally under radar. Yeah. I mean, uh, you're still trying did... to do the law thing at that time. Yeah. I mean, I still think about law school, but I don't, I don't know that that is the path that I'm Word. necessarily going to go down. Um, it's so, you know, I have, I can remember some things so well and other things like I'm like, I know hip hop has always been a part of like what I was doing. Um, and again, I think it goes back to like my older cousins who used to play it. So it doesn't really, I don't really feel like there was a moment. I just remember the moments where I discovered a new artist, right. maybe like low key. Like I remember when I discovered him cause he wasn't on the radio. He wasn't, um, yeah, and, like, my cousins were always friends with everyone. Like they always had black friends. They, you know, they always had Puerto Rican friends. They always had, like, so I kind of feel like just by osmosis, like, whatever my cousins were doing with their friends, because they were older than me, I wasn't allowed to hang out with the older kids when they would go out. But, right. like, they brought it all about, the, the music. Um, I'm trying to think now. Like, there was just a huge influence of black artists particularly black women, I think that must have been a part of it too. Cause I remember my cousins like trying to learn the choreography to like Sierra's dances or like Beyonce, mm. you know, Destiny's Child. So I think that also has to, for me at least, need to be acknowledged as far as like, cause like one step from that is hip hop. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like it's right there. And so I think that also may have been a part of kind of me just getting into that kind of music. Yeah. Um, but it's also weird because it doesn't feel like I was getting into it. It's just it was like a part of it's there. The, what we did. It was just the music we listened to growing up. Right. Um, when I wasn't trying to be a white girl with Ashmore <laughs> confessional and like after, Weezer, after, which after I hate. Girl, after the white girl face. We all yeah. have a white girl face. I, have my, <laughs> I might still be in my white girl face. And there's nothing wrong with like enjoying whatever music you like. It was the fact that I didn't really like it. And, and you're doing it for them. To, yeah. Exactly. Um, and so then, yeah, college, senior year. And I think... It's interesting because I think we talk about this a lot where like the hip hop that I can, I one don't really feel like I have a place to even really talk about hip hop because like, I don't necessarily feel that hip hop was made for me per se. So mm. it's kind of like my opinion doesn't really made matter. For me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but like, as far as how I engage with hip hop, I think a lot of it has to do with the artist themselves. So like when we talk about like, me this whole like conscious rapper thing yeah it, it's because i think with artists like low-key he was an activist and a rapper and so i was always drawn to that like people who used 
that so that's just what spoke to me was the the artist who and, and because it felt like it reflected my struggle as an Arab American um and so I think that's what's really beautiful and powerful about hip-hop is like it's become such a vast genre that if you look for it you're gonna find something that was written for you yeah. or with you in mind which is what like I don't know if you were up on this, but like Post Malone's comments, Absolutely. you know, about like hip hop. I was like, you see Peter what? Rosenberg go at it? Yeah, him? I did. Yo, my, my boy. <laughs> Jinx. Yo, yo, yo Rosenberg him. is, I, I love him. Yo, I do too. Rosenberg's that dude. I. Uh, and so I was just yeah. like, dude, what are you talking? Like, first of all, first of all, hip hop is so vast that there's like music that's more pop but still gets a pass, you know, within hip, because it has like a couple bars in there, you know? Yeah. So like if you, you can stretch it so far, you're telling me you can't find emotional, like, oh, an, oh my God, an artist that I totally forgot about that also influenced me a lot growing up in high school too was Immortal, Immortal Technique. And um, what is, oh my God, what's that song? Uh, is it, what, it's not Dance with the, something. It's something like that. Dance when, with the Dance with the It's that story like that. with the, yes. ba- at the dumpster and the, Mm-hmm. and he like kills his mom or something it's like, like that or, yeah, yeah some it's some crazy oh, and shit of course i'm leaving out eminem i loved eminem growing up but that's also kind of like me trying to be what he was like of course eminem acceptable but i, I liked eminem because he was i thought it was funny and his lyrics were like ridiculous yeah and he had like good music videos that i thought were funny good music i think the whole and he was a credible lyricist he was I think and so that was a huge thing in high school now that actually not even high school middle school he I, yeah, same. Shade, yeah, yeah, I yeah, think I too. Forgot. Just he captured teenage angst. He did really yeah, well. That did. like no matter who you are, it was so visceral and violent. Your parents also felt like it was something that was like super cool because like adults didn't like oh, it. Oh yeah, and so that was part of the appeal. The real Slim that, Shady like, was the first dude. rap song that I <laughs> intentionally memorized. Just and to so piss I would people play off. It over and over and over and over and over. And so that's like one of my party tricks these days i'm like i know every <laughs> by word. heart yeah that's so funny i think uh yeah i think that slim shady lp it's honestly still probably in one of my greatest albums did you hear all time. the album that just dropped i did did you i didn't listen to it all the way through not what? yet what do you think it kills me yeah it hurts my heart there's a couple tracks okay so i just this, this is such a sudden transition but like i 2017 was the year that I embraced my love of pop music. Like, mm. I always tried to fight it and be like, nah. You can't like, fight it, I really it, like indie music. I like hip-hop. I like... But, like, I really love pop music. I really do. And I think it also kind of matches my personality, which is... Yeah. It's either, like, it needs to be Immortal Technique... <laughs> yeah, that, I agree, I agree. Like, Sam Smith smashes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Because <yeah. laughs> yeah. I'm such a hybrid of, like... Positive, upbeat, always trying to just like have a good time. Or but then it's like technique, like crazy. Social justice, it's <laughs> yeah. all problematic. Yeah, you know, yeah. it's all going to shit. So might as well talk about it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so yeah, the album. I mean, there's a couple songs that I'm like, I can listen to that because it has like a melody to it. But Do you I'm like, like the one with Ed Sheeran? Sure. Yeah. Well, yeah which ones are you talking okay. about? Um, I didn't like the one with Beyonce at first, but I kind of like it. Yeah. Um, and who else is on it? Oh, the one with X Ambassadors is all right. I feel like I have to like it because I really like X Ambassadors. Know your bros, homie. Yeah, yeah. So I'm like trying to give it an extra. I just feel like, uh, isn't there one with Kalani on it too? Yes. Yeah. Um, Kalani's 
crushing it right now. She's what, do killing you like it. Kalani? I do like her a lot. I love Kalani. Yeah, I really like her. She has a, a song with Stormzy, who I was telling you about. I saw that. Yeah. Ah, I saw that. I um, And so I do also want to get into the UK stuff. The, yeah. the, M, the M thing, it just... It, it hurts my heart because I, yeah. I feel like growing up, he was such an influential artist that I, I don't know. It, I have a lot to say about it, but that, yeah, that's and I thing. think it would be different if this album came out at a different time, but I just feel like it's like irrelevant, you know, because yeah. there's a lot going on right now. And if you're an artist like Eminem, who's got the capacity to be, he's on people's top five lists, you know, like as a lyricist, but I don't feel like he's speaking, at least for me, like he's not speaking to this moment. He has like a song on there that's anti-Trump. But like, that's easy. Like, where is the song about him confronting the fact that he's a privileged white guy and like speaking to other white people being like, yo, this needs to change. Like g Easy just dropped a song that, yeah. that felt very Macklemore. Yeah. <laughs> like, the whole like, white rapper realizing he's white looking around and he's like oh my god it's all like so messed up you know like and he even talks about like muslim trans what like he hit every group but i still was like it was good you know we've talked about this too i think like white rappers it's so hard for me to like care about their music because it's like as white men they just kind of stay missing the point a lot of the time um that's not to say that the, the the music that they make isn't valuable or important like I think it is important that somebody like G-Eazy or Macklemore like talk to white people and start getting because hopefully that can be a bridge to them getting more politicized and kind of actually listening to black artists when they rap about this stuff because yeah. it's 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 always acceptable when the white guy does it right you know it's powerful it's moving it's whatever <laughs> but then it's like literally every single black artist have you listened to the roots about, like no. have you listened to no no I'm not saying oh, you but oh, like oh. to that person like yeah, have yeah. you heard have you heard the roots for like right 20 years yeah I mean <laughs> you have you heard of Common have you heard of Erica Badu like have you yeah. dude and it becomes this thing where then like when the black artist does it right it's it's aggressive or it's threatening or it's blah 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 but when the white artist talks about it it's like whoa but I think it's okay if that is a launching pad into authentic hip-hop and like so let me ask you this what about if someone like um say we take someone like Chance Mm. who it's not like his lyrics or his songs are especially political but he just makes good music and then might do um not necessarily political but does stuff like all the shit that he's done for Chicago school yeah, stuff yeah, like yeah, that yeah. or does that do they have to be dead prez do they have to be the roots no, of the music no but the thing is it political? is different for me and frankly people are probably going to get pissed because oh, it's a double standard and like Rosenberg said it the other day like yeah there is a double standard like I, I don't put that responsibility on black artists because mm. the, the very fact that they are making art is revolutionary. The fact that they're putting their music out there is an act of resistance. Um, the fact that they're successful in a capitalist white supremacist society in and of itself is resistance. Like black artists aren't supposed to succeed. Um, brown people aren't supposed to be well, like that's not how it's supposed to be in this country. Right. Even if people tell you otherwise, it's the American. No, it's a bunch of bullshit. So like, Somebody like Chance, I mean, personally, I would like to see him get a little bit more radical. That's just like my thing. Yeah, I but I, I don't task him with that because he is a black person making music and that in and of itself makes it, and within a genre, like that is hip hop. Yeah. And 
Yeah. What about someone like Macklemore who's mm-hmm. had huge smashes um, like Same Love or White Privilege too, things like that, that directly tackle these issues that yeah. you that you you know find are important and yeah, think that yeah. need to be. I mean, this kind of gets about. a little bit intellectual, but again, so like I was saying, I think there can be a value to that, right? Like if Macklemore has these audiences of white kids, he's going to reach them and they're going to hear that stuff and it might make them think. Excuse me, but at the same time, it's like it's just another white male who's having his voice validated and he's taken up space. Mm. So it's like, what is he doing to create a platform to elevate another artist of color who is probably more, no, who's definitely more qualified to deliver that message? You know what I'm saying? So I think the fact that a song like, the fact that a song like Same Love did so well. On one hand, yeah, it's great. You know, like, on the surface level, we're talking about, like, same-sex marriage, which is so important. But why are we only receptive to it when it comes from a straight white guy? Like, why... You know, I feel like, for instance, someone like Frank Ocean or, like, Tyler the Creator. Yeah. Or, um, yeah, I mean, you know, like, and they get played people know them but not at the level that same love blew up to right. you know what i'm saying so it's kind of like this thing where when a song like same love gets that big and is you know the fact that he won the grammy over kendrick like that kind yeah, of shit it's yeah. like in that process yes there is some good that comes from it but for me at least the larger thing at play is yet again the word of the white man is validated, is respected, and is listened to. Where did he get his inspiration and his music? From marginalized communities. Who's getting the award? The white guy. Right. Who learned something from black people. Right. Who learned something from gay people. Where is the black person getting, you know, where is the gay person getting their moment? They're Where's the, the Muslim the getting back. their moment? Because right? all the white guys like, are getting the awards. They all had to educate him but he's collecting the rewards. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And so it's, it's complicated because I'm not saying delete the song. It's a nice song. It's fine. But there's all this other stuff at play as far as like white supremacy, white hetero patriarchy, like who gets validated, who's listened to. Um, and, and like, uh, like another thing that I'm really just kind of on a personal level, like navigating or trying to grapple with is holding people in their moment of learning but mm. also like having this really important social justice piece because I can again see the value in having somebody like Macklemore because it's like he is trying, but at the same time, I don't really care. Like there's like real shit happening on the ground. There are real people whose lives are being destroyed, people who are sick, people who can't access the resources that they need to live well but I'm supposed to feel bad for the white guy because he's trying. Yeah. And at the same time, on some level, I do feel for him a little bit because I know he's trying and I want to, like, acknowledge that. But again, like, not my part. You know what I'm saying? So it's kind of this both-and situation. Um, But then people are, like, so easily put off. They're like, well, then what do you want him to do? What do you want him to do? And it's like, do better. Like, work harder. Get smarter. Learn this stuff. Because at the end of the day, the difference is, for somebody like Macklemore, it's optional. And that's a problem to me. Like, the fact that people see it as, 
wow, that's so great of him to go out of his, you know, privilege and talk about oppression. But then when an oppressed person doesn't, we don't say, damn, that takes some real vulnerability and emotional labor and creative, like, capital to to go out there and share your specific story. Right. We just see it as, like, actually, I don't even want to say we because it's not me, but white America, you know, a lot of times it's like, ugh, stop complaining. Mm. Oh, I, this doesn't, this isn't relevant to me. It's kind of back to that piece that I was saying earlier about media that's either made by somebody who's a minority or that features somebody as a minority being seen as like a passion project that's good for their community, but it, it's not marketable to the mainstream. It's like, yes, it, what are you talking about? Like those stories are, it does need to be in the mainstream. Yeah. Um, Anyway, yeah. So now this is going like no, no. It's okay. We can take we can take it there. So <laughs> is someone like say someone like Sam Smith or Calvin Harris or Adam Levine does is it since they aren't in hip hop, do they get a do they does it is it still important that their their lyrics are as relevant to injustices or can Sam Smith just sing smash pop ballads and and chill? Is it just because the that hip hop is the one that's most obviously yeah, built yeah. off black? you know, black culture, even though... I mean, I think the the specific thing with hip-hop is, I think, it's an art form and style that came out of a lot of oppression, and so you just can't ignore that when you start making that music. Um, And that's also not to say that hip-hop can't be fun. You know what I'm saying? I'm not saying that every song needs to be, like, heavy. Right, right. Because, like, there are some, like hip-hop jams that are just super shallow yeah but it's great to bump it mold the way up (laughs) (laughs) listen all i do is win win, win. right so that kind of stuff but but i think that's also where again like you know how i'm always drawn to the like the political activist kind of thing right so like vic mensa who i love and adore and 2018 is the year that we're going to become friends um he i think and he's still growing and learning, but I think he does a good job of this where, like, he's got songs like OMG, right? Which is, like, kind of ridiculous. I love it. It's fun. Yeah. But then he's also got serious music. But then he's also out there going to Palestine. So, he, you know what I'm saying? So, like, yeah. as a package, I'm like, he's doing something to elevate people, to, to shed a light on oppression. Um, Somebody like Common. Common's like veering into like a little bit of corny territory, or he was. Yeah. But then, uh, like he's got a new show coming out, and I, I think he plays a Muslim guy in Chicago, and it's it's clearly a show. Um, what is her name? Lena Dunham. No, 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 <laughs> not Lena Dunham. <laughs> Lena is it? Wait, or I'm gonna, I'm gonna look up her name because I want to get it right. But it's 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 a show that's written by um, a queer black woman and commons it and so it's a clearly a show by black people featuring black people telling black stories with specificity and it's not just like another thing where it's like people are in the hood and it's guns and violence and drugs and blah 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 it's it's a show that i hopefully it looks like it's got some some real legs to it and it's Mm -hmm. gonna do some work so like somebody like common who's got the conscious music but then he went and did his like hollywood career thing but he still is a part of movements or social justice he speaks up on things or speaks out on them so that's what you so that's kind of you know as far as miriam's and miriam's ideal sort of artists is they don't 
Yep, it's uh, Lena Waithe. Lena Waithe. Yep, yep, yep. Um, they don't necessarily have to uh, have all the songs be political, but just be... I, uh, this is just a checklist for me. Mm-hmm. I want to make sure as I grow as an artist, <laughs> right. what, what do I have to do so I can you know mm. fit into your good artist category? So if I just switch from the rapping and go into just singing love ballads, mm-hmm. is it easier to sort of make that? I mean, okay, so that? you're asking me, like, can I keep it like super 100? 100%. Yeah. So like, I'm never going to give any white person a pass. I think every white person has a responsibility to use whatever privilege they have to do whatever good they can for people who are oppressed. Whether I think there's a heightened scrutiny I'm going to put on somebody who's a hip hop artist because you're directly benefiting from an art form that was created by black people and yet you don't want to. So you want to collect a check, you want to collect the awards, but you don't want to pay respect to the people that this came from. You know what I'm saying? Like, so you're just appropriating culture. You're just taking something, making it benefit you without paying your dues, without acknowledging where it comes from. So that's why I'm like extra, you know, people like Jeezy, whatever. But even somebody like Sam Smith, someone. Yeah, because I'd argue that every, the jazz, all of it comes from the oh, yeah. black culture. You know, even rock 100%. and roll, whatever. So why does, is it just because hip hop's the most recent or is it just because. I mean, in my opinion, more, I yeah. think I scrutinize people like Sam Smith, even people like Adele. Yeah. Almost, it's not cool. Maybe not quite the same intensity, just because I also think like a lot of white rappers are annoying because they just like try to be black all the time. Um, but you know, somebody like Adele who I love, um, her music, somebody like Sam Smith, you know, these people that are singing music, clearly they're inspired by the greats, you know, like there's Whitney Houston in there. There's Aretha Franklin, there's Nina Simone. There's all of these, these artists that they're clearly drawing, you know, inspiration from. And so, yeah, they're lumped into it too. But also any white person, particularly any white celebrity with a platform, with money, with capital, with privilege, with a platform, with an audience, they all, I think they all need to be doing it. And so I really do, can, everyone's problematic. And again, okay. like everything, everything is problematic <laughs> no, with that in mind. I do feel like I, I really, and this kind of goes part in, in my whole like consumption of media, like that constant consumption yeah. of it. I'm not just listening to dope music. I really get obsessed and want to know everything about the artist. Because if I don't like the artist, I can maybe kind of listen to some other music, maybe, but I'm not going to be inclined to. You don't to. buy into yeah. it. So, the, so what could um, Calvin Harris do? Nah, nothing. The, okay. Calvin Harris and Taylor Swift. Okay, I was going to ask. I was going to also ask, what, what could Taylor Swift do to Taylor get on your Swift, good side? She, as, as what she can do to music. get on my good side? Yeah, is, as a girl who loves pop music, Taylor Swift oh, is... I hate her music. She can stop the, making music and leave the public that's, that's what she can do. That's what she can do. <laughs> <laughs> it's on, baby. Let's go. Let's go. If you want my real Yo, you know what I'm saying? Keeping it 100... Like, yeah. You know, so because as a girl who does, who admittedly loves pop. Yeah. Oh, I love pop. Why, why is someone like Taylor Swift, is it, you know, why is Sia record over a Taylor Swift record? Okay, I love Sia because I think someone like Sia, one, like she's been through some shit. And I'm not saying that you have to, but I feel like already she's more real to mm. me. Cause I'm like, you've lived through stuff, you've struggled. So I think my hope, and I don't know her, but like my hope would be that she, um, extends like 
that she's like learned a certain level of compassion or humility from her own struggle and like seeks out others who have struggled um even you know particularly like with race or things like you know minority groups that she might not be a part of um also, these rules that I have are, this is just like my opinion. It's, it doesn't even necessarily follow any. Like, <laughs> I just want you to doctrine. like me. That's what I'm saying. I'm just trying to figure <laughs> yeah. out what it is. But like, Sia, I mean, one, I, I like Sia's music. I think she's wicked talented. I don't think Taylor Swift has a good voice. I don't enjoy it. I'm, I'm not saying she's not a good songwriter. Right, right, but just you per- I personally don't think she. <laughs> music is a personal taste. It I is. totally she get it. She just doesn't do it for me. But Sia, I really like her as a person. I okay, think. so that kind yeah, of helps too. That does help. What like about Justin interviews. Timberlake? He's canceled. He's he was canceled. actually one of the first artists when we were talking about hip hop stuff. And then you brought up like Sam Smith, whatever. Yeah, yeah. Justin Timberlake was one of the first people that came to mind because he's like the king of, uh, he's not the king of anything. He's the king of appropriating uh, stuff, you know, say, and not exactly. getting political, not paying his dues. And he screwed over Janet Jackson. So like, there's no white guy who screws over a black woman that I'm not going to hate. Right. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Just like on you can't come a back from that. moral basis, he's canceled. I don't care. He's done. Because uh, he screwed her over in the media. And then I feel like the fact that he's performing at the Super Bowl is just like the perfect cocktail of tomfoolery that's happening in this country. Because mm. it's like, really, what a perfect example of white supremacy. The guy who messed up gets invited back to perform because he's viewed as acceptable. Janet Jackson, who got screwed over, is no longer acceptable because she's the one who, you know, violated the sanctity of white America. Yeah, it's just like, what? No, 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 no. First of all, they both were involved. Second of all, it was an accident. Third of all, just... There's a lot there. There's so much there. It's very triggering for me. I will ride for Janet till I die. Okay. But like, it, just the fact that yeah, he he has blown up and had this huge career, and she, I feel like, has lived in the shadow of that. Uh, I mean, moment, she's amazing. Almost. She's doing her thing, and she is living life. But as far as I think, like the pop culture and recognition, like guys, kind of thing, I, it's right. like people are like, oh, the Super Bowl. But with him now, it's not even about the Super Bowl anymore. It's like smash hit, smash hit, smash hit. All which are just like sampling black music styles, you know? Yeah. And so for him... And he's not political. He doesn't talk about anything. Because that's what I was going to ask is, does it... <laughs> Taylor and Justin are put in the same spot. They so, literally, yeah. so do they... So say you take someone like Katy Perry, Lady Gaga, these big white artists... Mm-hmm. Do they, for them, it's not necessarily, just so I can get this straight, it's not necessarily that their music has to be political, but just maybe their actions. They need to, you need them to go to Standing Rock, or you want them to talk about it in interviews, or you just want it to be part of their, in their sort of like arena, but it doesn't mean that their art has to be focused on it. Yeah. Is that right? Yeah, yeah, totally. So and with, I think they need to make it unequivocally, unequivocally clear who they align themselves with. And so someone like Taylor Swift we don't live in an age where you can be quiet anymore. Like you can't not have an opinion. There's no such thing as not speaking up because if you don't, you've said that, you know, famous quote, then you, you've sided with the oppressor. So someone like Taylor Swift, she really like, I get really angry about her because she's hugely successful as far as, you know, popularity, record sales, the money she makes. But I really truly think she's a piece of shit because she's never come out and spoken out against Trump. She only speaks out against like, oppression when she has specifically experienced it so now she's against sexual assault because she experienced that which unacceptable should not have happened to her but 
all of her quote unquote, I don't even want to call it activism because it's not, but it's all qualified activism. You know, it's all how does it play into her image as a victim, as a white woman who's really nice and just has been wronged in the yeah. world. And it's like, no, she perpetuates misogyny. She perpetuates white supremacy. She perpetuates um, body image standards that only thin white women are beautiful. Her friends are only thin white women. She tries to use, she has a couple black people that she tries to use as props to say, look, I'm not, I don't only hang out. You know, so she's just like, the worst in every aspect because I think she capitalizes on her whiteness. She capitalizes on getting all of white America to like her music, guys and girls. Yeah. Frat boys love her. Right. But then she wants to talk about sexual assault. You know what I'm saying? So it's like she panders to people, the people who are perpetuating violence against other people, but then takes a slight moral stance only but it's only specific to her it's never about the movement and so I just think she's incredibly self-centered and has not in any capacity used her platform to speak on anything even the most basic thing I don't even characterize this as doing anything is coming out against Trump she hasn't said a thing so I'm like she's such a waste of space. So what, how could an artist like that, once you get up to that level, you're living in the Hollywood Hills, you're in all seriousness, probably very disconnected from reality. How can you speak on issues in a qualified way without it seeming like you're on like that, whoever did that terrible Pepsi commercial as Kendall or yeah. Kylie Jenner, how without it seeming that you're just trying to be a part of the conversation in a way that isn't, isn't self-serving you know what i'm saying yeah so this kind of goes back to the thing i was saying about macklemore which is pull somebody else up i don't need taylor speaking on shit like oh. i don't need her opinion on social justice because it's gonna be whack no matter what okay <laughs> we like taylor so so how could she do it right for you again i don't know that she can because she's just like transgressed so far that like again if she would just leave a public eye forever and never make music again yeah. i'd be happy i'd be content but like she can pull, she can feature other artists or like share somebody else, you know, like post about a book that came out written by a black woman. Oh, you know what I'm saying? Gotcha. Like, Just using, using her, platform. her platform to inform or like inviting those people, inviting other people who are qualified to speak on it onto her platform to share. You know, she does this thing at her concerts every freaking time. There's a new celebrity that walks out. Why doesn't she get an activist to walk out and spend two minutes on, you know, like, and so then that shows where she's aligning herself. It shows who she has connections to, where she gets her information. And so that would lead me to believe, oh, maybe this person's a little bit more woke because they know who Kianga Yamada Taylor is. Yeah. Dr. Kianga Yamada Taylor. She's a professor. Um, or they're a professor. And uh, you know what I'm saying? So like things like that where it's like, okay, you're doing your homework. Yeah. So, so other people on that. Okay, cool. So that, that's very telling for me. It doesn't necessarily have to do with the art they're making. It's more who they are, what they're looking into, using the platform. Yeah. So uh, what about someone like Ariana Grande or Kim K who have these massive platforms? Um, yeah. I, you know, do you see any celebrities of this stature for you that are doing it right that are white? That's a good question. Is there anyone who's doing it right? Okay, well, while you're thinking, let me ask you this. What about Leonardo DiCaprio and his, his, like, um, in his, like, ad, his adventures to save the environment? And, I mean, like, like that's dope that he's talking about the environment, but also, like, rich, wealthy people have been shown to be 
more harmful to the environment than the rest of us. So like he's flying on private jets, you know what I'm saying? Like, so it's just kind of like goofy. Like, it's just like, dude, that's cool that you picked the most apolitical. I mean, the environment is a binary. Because if you, if you ask my dad, who's the most radical political Mm -hmm. guy in our family, but the environment to that man is the top issue. Mm -hmm. More, Mm -hmm. I mean, he's also, he's a cute, you know, He's Cuban yeah. American, but all you know, people seem to think maybe think he's a white guy. But, but to my father, that over uh, he's into race, he's into all yeah, all these yeah, issues. Yeah. But to him, you couldn't argue that anything's more important than the environment. Because I don't disagree. I think the environment is a huge like thing that needs to be talked about. But I don't think we can enter into that conversation without talking about who are the key stakeholders that have put us in this place, rich white guys right. that want oil, you know what yeah. I'm saying? So it's like these conversations by nature are political, right? but we make it seem like it's not. So I don't know. Leonardo DiCaprio, I don't really think about him that much. I think he's just, he's not aging well. He's <laughs> like, <laughs> tell me how you really like feel. Hooking up with like <laughs> models half his age, which is like, do you, but also like, it's just not relevant to me. Would it be, would you prefer that he didn't do the documentary about the right? Or, or you no, like, I mean, it's a it's, nice I don't attempt. really care. Okay. So it's not, it's not even on the radar period. I mean, really. if it was on my radar, my inclination is always going to be to critique a white guy yeah. doing anything. Yeah, okay, okay. I'm starting to see that. I'm starting to see a, a similar pattern here. Yeah. No, that's, that's really dope. Um, okay. So as far as, and like you were saying, artists, it, now it doesn't necessarily have to be white. I realize I'm not going to be able to win you over okay, no like, matter what I do. Okay, so an artist that I really like, I actually don't know if she's white or if she has like other like aspects to our identity, it's like that I really like, who's a pop artist, is Charlie XCX. Oh, I've been seeing her name a lot. And I love her stuff because it's catchy, it's fun, but it's also subverting patriarchal nonsense you know Mm. so like she just released this not just but music video for boys i love it it was so fun lighthearted, but also flipped the male gaze and suddenly we're watching it through the female gaze um Mm. her music yeah so she just is like out here doing dope stuff and in it there's an implicitly political message in that it's 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 just resisting the status quo yeah. she doesn't have to come out and say it i can see it in her art right um who else who else am i really like um hmm. iggy azalea probably <laughs> <up> there <laughs> who? Yeah. Uh, who yeah so like she's cool charlie xcx no no no, I, no I, I i got you yeah so that's like that's one that that comes to mind. Would, do you know much about um, someone who seems very spoken about a lot of stuff? Azalea Banks? No comment. No, yeah. I, do, I don't know much about her. I don't really listen to her music. I think I'm always going to root for black women. You yeah. know, so like I want her to be well. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like I hope she kind of gets whatever she needs, that she finds what she's looking for. Just from like, I mean, and this isn't, uh, I, I don't think I have any sort of, space to like analyze her because I really don't know much about her or her music um the only thing that's constantly coming up is like whatever the latest controversy is uh, you know right. that she had an outburst on a plane that yeah, she yeah. is coming at Nicki Minaj or whatever yeah. it is and so like that kind of stuff makes me sad because I know that she's not going to get as many 
quote unquote chances as someone like Justin Bieber, right? Exactly. Who acts a fool, but then, oh, look, he's cleaned his image up. He's blah, 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 blah. And everybody's like, oh, don't be mean. He's trying. Again, it's the like, oh, he's a good white guy who's trying versus nobody seems concerned about what's going on with Azalea Banks. It's just like, oh, look, it's a black person acting out. We can make a spectacle right. out of this. That's a really good point. Um, yeah, so I think. I, yeah, I don't know. I, I wish her well. Like, I, I hope she's good. What about, like, uh, Kendrick and Cole and, you know, these guys that are have major platforms that are doing... I'm not sure if you saw Jay Cole's documentary, but guys that are doing... Mm, no, I didn't see it. You didn't, I, think I know, yeah. It's, I, mean, it's, I forgot about it until right now really you mentioned dope, it. It's really dope. But yeah. um, is it, are they... Are they you, using the platform wiser? Are they as involved... Maybe not as involved as you'd like them to be, but possibly... I'm not sure what... <laughs> What else they, I mean, Cole, I feel like his whole album, his whole rollout, his document was. You want to know what gets my appro- yeah, approval? Yeah, absolutely. Really trying to get, I, don't, I don't know. Um, so who, let's throw it like this. Who is killing it for you right now? Stormzy? Star- oh, love it. Lizzo is killing it for Lizzo. me. I love her. Um, oh, Stormzy, he like makes my heart flutter. I love him so much. I think he is so likable. His music is great. And I like really feel like he's a real person. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like I love watching his success and watching him like climb this ladder of whatever the the white capitalist notions of success, right? The wealth, the, the rapper dream, the the accumulation of I like watching his accumulation of wealth. Like the accumulation of social capital, whatever. Yeah. He's getting known on social media, but like when I watch his interviews, he's still just this like 20 three 24 year old guy who's like very funny he's sweet he can be awkward sometimes but he he's honest um I find him like very endearing because I think he's pretty he I think for the most part as much as he can he kind of presents as he is Mm. versus someone like I would contrast him with is like Jennifer Lawrence who tries to be funny tries to be quirky tries to be like oh I'm just like one of the goofy girls and really I'm like no you are a uh, thin, successful white woman who's seen as beautiful. Therefore, your awkward, weird behavior is seen as quirky and cute and acceptable because you get all these passes because you're a pretty, thin, wealthy actress. You know what I'm saying? And then she Have tries you, to I'm like... I'm so interested. Have you seen her do anything recently? Have you seen anybody? Saw her recently? interview Kim Kardashian. That's, I, okay, yeah. that's what I was really hoping. Yeah. That's what I'm, you know, my interview skills, I'm slowly sneaking <laughs> into that. Okay, let's talk about that for a second. I know this is going to be riveting for my listeners, especially my parents, um, who have no idea. They're like, who? Yeah. My dad's like, was that a movie? Hunger? I'm hungry. Um, yeah. okay. Because I found that fascinating. Yeah. Thinking about that same thing where people are like, oh, man, I love Jennifer Lawrence because she's so quirky and she's so this. And to me, it always kind of rubbed me the wrong way. Yes, maybe that is who she is. But there is also this vibe where an old Tyler creator interviews. He seems like he's grown up a lot since, but mm-hmm. this felt very similar where it was this like almost over the top. I'm weird and quirkiness mm-hmm. that was like to put, it was, it just felt like too much of an act. almost. It is, and I think the distinction, like the, the important distinction there, right. Is that she is trying to put out this image of look, I'm just like you, so I get to be quirky, weird, and spunky too. When the reality is, no, you get to act this way because of all your privilege. If you not were ugly and not and not successful and whatever, it's like the way I kind of analyze yeah. this stuff is 
like because at the end of the day i'm not trying to police anyone's behavior either because fuck the police yeah. but it's, it's, it's uh, not, you, you are the police <laughs> it's not that like i want for her to like behave differently or that because there's there's people that like have the they just like go so sideways with their critique and they're like oh it's not ladylike it's improv it's gross and i'm like yeah. that's not the issue <laughs> that's not I, no it has nothing to do with what a, a woman is supposed to you know what i'm saying like yeah. i'm not here for any of those gender norms it's more so that is that kind of ex- behavior acceptable for everyone no a black woman couldn't go on and do that you know what i'm saying yeah a an undocumented a hispanic immigrant couldn't do that right you know it's like you have to like act a certain way if you're a minority, you have, to right. present, you have to be respectable. It's all about respectability. Right. Whereas white people get a pass and they get to act like children. It's the same reason I can't stand Jimmy Fallon. Because it's like, you're not funny to me. You're just acting like an idiot. You're acting legitimately like a child. But for some reason, like the infantilization, infantilism of white people is seen as funny. Whereas the rest of us have to like, like act properly does that make sense yeah you know i think now yeah, no I, incomplete I, thought, no but. no I, I that's welcome to this podcast um <laughs> i think i think part of that which is interesting is with jimmy to me sometimes it feels more authentic just because i've listened to interviews with him you think he he's says, authentic jimmy fallon yeah so, I think he's fake yeah i think like, he's sorry i'm so, no, no, I'm no, not trying to squash no, your no 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 but i think like when he laughs at what the guests say it's like no exactly so so and that's a really good point so let me clear this up sorry i don't cut you off no (laughs) incomplete thoughts is i think that there he's also doing his job as a host Mm -hmm. where unfortunately he can't be charlemagne up there where the you can't because someone comes up he can't say this movie was really whack because his job is to say yeah go see the great wall with matt damon because it's amazing it's the best thing he's ever done where like um so part of it is he has to have a bit of an act, I think, for his job. Yeah, but like for instance, like I don't love everything about Ellen DeGeneres, but I think she's really good. That's at what she does. I was gonna ask. You okay. know, like she's somebody that I think, again, at times she can be pr- like problematic. I don't love how she engages with certain guests of color in particular, but I think she's good at her job. She like lets the guest shine, kind of lets them be funny. She'll be funny, but she's not being fake. Yeah. Right? At least it doesn't come across that way. Um, and I think it's, a, I mean, it's a pretty, I know it's like daytime television versus, versus late night, but it's like, a, it's a similar-ish medium, right? You know, it's like Exa- usually celebrities, exactly. whatever. Exactly, exactly. The, the host has also become a celebrity in their own right. Um, and I find her interviews way more enjoyable than say, I, I, don't, I just don't watch Jimmy Fallon, frankly, because I just think he's I think boring. I think sometimes his... You can tell he he really, but that's what I mean about the authenticity thing is when I listen to interviews with him, he's always just wanted to like, he's always been the super goofy guy that just mm-hmm. like is good at doing impressions of voices and wants to. Um, I don't think his impressions get, are that good. I, I don't, I mean, I don't think great, they're like, great either. My but. standard is uh, like Robin Williams is a genius. That is a talented entertainer and comedian and tortured soul heartbreaking i mean when that when when the story came out i like legitimately cried because i felt like it was someone that i knew and he just was spot on you know like he he killed it he was wicked talented 
But then you've got clowns like Jimmy Fallon, who it's like, in my opinion, he's not doing anything remarkable. He's putting on a dress and saying, ew. Like, how, yeah. why is that funny? Right. Or right, it's right. funny for like maybe a second, but why are we doing the same shtick over and over and over and over again? Same thing with people like Taryn Killam, who I also just have personal... We exchanged tweets like four years ago, and I'm not over it. Um, but it's like, at least I like when you can at least admit when you're petty. Yeah, yeah. No, but like I don't find him funny because I don't feel like his impressions are that good. It's not even like Will Ferrell. Like I'm just not into the like burping, farting, poop joke, like boy brigade yeah. that Hollywood has yeah. turned out. You know, the I'm like no, I'm not into that. See, that humor's never, funny never to me. done it for it's me. It's fine. I I'm fine with existing in a reality where it exists, but like much like Taylor Swift, I would love if it just stopped being stopped made. Stopped existing. <laughs> so what's your beef with Charlemagne? Oh, he's just a raging misogynist and an idiot. Like <laughs> I'm reading his I'm currently the, reading his, his book, book right now. I was just gonna say nothing he says is intellectually sound. Did you read his book? No, down oh. to the fact that it's oh. called Black Privilege. Like, yeah. No, like, why are you putting that idea out into the world that there's black privilege? There's white privilege for sure. And then there's privilege as a man. Granted, black men are very low on the podium tell as far as, like, who has privilege in this country. But then, like, and this is just based on, like, my understanding as, you know, like, an Arab woman who deals with Arab men. And they can be misogynistic AF. Yeah. Very similar dynamic that I know exists in all minority communities, including the black community. So somebody like Charlemagne, it's like, dude, no, like he stays missing the point. And I think that's the, the, when you were asking me about like Kendrick and J. Cole, like they're great to a degree because a lot of times they stay missing the point. Like Kendrick missed the point. He missed the mark when, uh, in, in, uh, uh, humble when he was like, what's the lyric? Uh, um, Show me something real. Yeah. Like, the, uh, like, uh, some, show me something natural. Spice. Yeah, yeah. And, and like, I got the sentiment, right? The sentiment he was trying to get across is like, natural is beautiful. That's not the point that we need to be making. The point is that it's not about male consumption and the male gaze. It's whatever a woman wants to do and f- makes her feel good, makes her feel beautiful is fine. So if putting on a ton of makeup, if getting cosmetic surgery, whatever it is, if that's what works for you, that's what you want to do, that's beautiful. And if you want to go natural and you don't want to change your hair, you don't want to change your makeup, you don't want to change your outfit, that's beautiful too. And so that's the point. The point is not mm-hmm. get rid of the quote unquote fake stuff. No, it's because it, that, it, that the result of that is what men still deciding what is beautiful and right. controlling women's actions and bodies. So, so, like, he missed that. I was like, damn. Yeah. I mean, missed them that's just a little bit harder to squeeze into a bar. I'll show me something where, like, women can do whatever they want with their bodies because they can do it. They love it. You I know, mean, he's you a know, genius. He's yeah. figure it out. <laughs> yeah, yes. You know, so I think that, to me, just showed that, like, okay, he's still got work to do. We all have work to do. But to me, I was like, okay, he needs to, like. Because I know what you mean yeah. in the sense of, uh, for a long time, and since I'm not. I'm just not a makeup guy. That's just mm-hmm. not really my thing. But I do know, like you said, there's some women that are like, I love makeup it's and like, hair. It's and a it's form of creative expression. Exactly. Just it's, for me. Or it doesn't, you know, the thing is, there doesn't even have to be a reason. Exactly. Right? That's what I'm saying. Like, some days I put makeup on because it's just part of my routine. I, some days it's because I'm like, yo, I, my face is just beat today. <laughs> some days it's like, 
I feel really good. Yes. And then sometimes it's like I don't. I'm too. That, I don't want to put it on. It's like it's, so, it's not it's like for you. Don't you don't even need a reason or explanation for it. Yeah. Right. It can just be like this is my thing, and that's something that I'm trying to be a little more open minded because I realize I'm 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 just as guilty as anyone else in yeah. in being judgmental, even if totally. it's against that sort of a thing. Oh yeah. You know, um, which is which is interesting that it's trying to be like okay if that's not to yeah. hate. Um, you know, yeah, all yeah, yeah. makeup or ass implants like, whatever. or whatever. People like, can have their preferences, you know, like that's fine. But I think it's when, particularly with men, it's like the reason that you need to keep your mouth shut is because it's not just about your preference. It's the fact that those preferences turn into real oppression and turn into real yeah. beauty standards that are, uh, what's the word, that are um, imposed on women. Mm. You know, so it's not, it, the thing is like, and, that, and that's where it becomes an important thing to acknowledge your privilege, right? That like, it's not innocuous when a man talks about what he thinks is beautiful for a woman to do. D- elaborate on that a little bit. Like, because again, we live in a patriarchy. We live within a world where what men say or want is given credence. It is given priority, right? So when men think certain things are beautiful, women end up conforming to that because right. there is, it's, it's, it's so many things. It's the privilege, it's social currency, actual currency, capital, strength, access to wealth, access to power. It becomes about power. Um, it, it is, it's not cool versus people are going to be like, oh, double standard again. But like it is, it, it is different for a woman to say something about men because again, the power dynamic is totally different. So if I say, granted, and this is like within a context, right? Like we should not make anybody feel like their body is not worthy. We shouldn't, but like, it's different for me to be like, yo, that guy's whack. (laughs) Yeah. And I'm saying, or like, that's corny or that's mad stupid because at the end of the day, the power structure is not there for what I say to have any kind of impact on him. He can just brush it off and be like, screw you. I'm like, okay. And it's fine. Nothing happens. Yeah. Same dynamic doesn't exist. Like, if it swaps. Um, and so what are some, and I want to get to your oh, list. Yeah, yeah. I want to get to your list too. It's incomplete. Uh, <laughs> of what are some then places or thing? what's some media that you consume now that you feel like is doing a good job? Like you mentioned the show before, but maybe other shows or, um, news outlets or YouTube channels or whatever, you know, what are some things that you can put me on? Cause I, you know, I kind of stay stuck in my little white boy mm. rut of, of media that I consume that you feel like is, whether it's everyday struggle with Joe Budden or whether it's, um, you know, a podcast that you like, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? What are some, who are some folks that you feel like are doing it right? That's a good question. Hmm. Yeah. Cause I've kind of cultivated like a lot of my information truly does come from social media. And so it comes from Twitter like, in particular. Twitter in particular yeah. and Facebook as well, but primarily Twitter. Yeah. Um, from like finding activists and it kind of just becomes this rabbit hole, right? Where you, it can happen on YouTube too, where you start one thing and then you're on another thing and then you're on another thing. And, and suddenly you're like, whoa, who's this dope artist I just found? Um, I, I kind of feel that, and it's taken time, like it's been over the years, kind of cultivating like people that I follow on Twitter. Cause it starts with an activist, and then I see that they're putting somebody else on, they're retweeting someone else, they're engaging in a conversation with someone else, or they're tweeting about an academic whose book is coming out, or Uh. blah, 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 blah. So it becomes like a web, it's this network where you start to find lesser known people who are incredibly important, and their voices are incredibly important. They might 
they just don't happen to be typically in the mainstream because what they're saying doesn't fit the narrative of white heteropatriarchal America. Yeah. Um, so with that said, I mean, the first one that comes to mind for me is Mark Lamont Hill, which I've talked about him before, just because he was another one of those people starting in high school who was also very uh, influential as far as me getting politicized and mm -hmm. kind of radicalized. Because, and, and I admire him so much because he very much exists in mainstream spaces and somehow manages to like introduce pretty lefty, radical ideas to the point where like he was talking about voting third party green party voting for Jill Stein mm. which has created outrage but I was like yeah that's dope that he's talking about that because full disclosure like that is how I ended up voting because I felt like my interests were not met within the Democrat right part Dem Democratic Party or the, definitely not the Republican Party you sure um duh, yeah I was gonna make <laughs> a joke but not even worth it yeah yeah so um people like him who I think like he is someone, and I would watch him argue on CNN, he would defend Muslims. That was the first time I ever saw somebody defend Muslims. Um, and yeah, so I think like he was someone who I really, when I watched him, I was like, yo, he's somebody who's definitely studied Malcolm X. Yeah. And I wanted to, st I st sort of have studied Mark a lot and kind of learning the fact that he employs a certain intellectual framework when he does interviews. So when he gets asked certain questions that are meant to uh, like rattle him, he reframes the question. Hmm. Or he reframes the premise and says, that question doesn't even work because it assumes this, this, and that. And so I was like, whoa. Because my biggest fear growing up used to be that somebody's going to ask me something about Muslims, I'm not going to have an answer to it, and it's going to look like they're right. Even if I know that they're wrong, I'm not going to have the like intellectual tools or ability to to explain why it's problematic that they're asking me that question. Um, so yeah, like he's somebody that was. And I, so I would recommend like just going back and watching his interviews and watching how he speaks. He's very like the language that he uses is very accessible, but it's, he's also highly intellectual. And I think that's also really important. Like if you go to college and you learn theory, but then you're not able to spread that knowledge in a way that's accessible to somebody like me who at the time was a freshman in college or a sophomore in high school, um, then are you really doing the work? Because yeah. if it stays up here, you know, on this ivory tower kind of intellectual level, it's not going to do anything substantial. Like that's what praxis is to me, taking this like intellectual stuff and, and bringing it into the everyday and teaching people who might not have access to that same experience that you had where you got to learn mm. about systems of oppression. Um, yeah, so that's a long way of saying no, Mark Lamont Hill. No, okay, so Mark Hill. Um, yeah, I mean, there are some people who are, like, very radical, and I, I don't know that I'm necessarily there or agree all the time, but somebody like Akala, somebody like Loki, um, who else have I been? There's, like, local activists. There's an amazing activist in D.C. Um, her name is Darak Chandraja. She is incredible. She's, like one of, if not the most intelligent person I've ever met. Like, she knows her stuff, and she's always, I think she always is, like, positioning herself to stand with the oppressed or the most marginalized. Mm. So she kind of, she's, like, for me, when I, I go to her page a lot, I feel very much like she's true north, mm. because I'm, like, she always is aligning herself with the people 
who are the most ignored or the most left out, even when it means, you know, you speak out against, quote unquote, your own. Right. Right. So, um, oh, man, I just have so much respect for her because, like, she really does the work. Um, what yeah. about what about movies or TV shows or anything mm. like that? Visual media that you that you consume recently. It doesn't necessarily have to be political, yeah. but just stuff that you'd be like, "This I felt like was well done, resonated with me." Because I know you you're a media junkie. It's a good question. I am a media junkie, and I think that's led to me watching a lot of media now to help me decompress. So like, I, <laughs> actually, it's a great show. I've been watching the Great British Bake Off, which is oh, really so dope. I've never even heard of that. Oh, it's amazing. It's this cooking. It's a baking show in the UK. It's a competition, but it's, like, the most healthy, loving, like, familial kind of, like, family. It just feels like a family. Like, these bakers, they're so earnest. It's such a diverse cast of people. I haven't read any think pieces on it, so I don't know. It could be problematic. But in my mind, it almost represents this, like, uh, utopia where everyone's different. They never talk about race. Uh, The season that I just watched, it was actually a Muslim woman who wears hijab, who won the show, which was just beautiful for me to watch that happen. Um, but it doesn't feel like they're ignoring where people come from yeah. either. You know what I'm saying? Like, But they also aren't... It, it is, because the show does exist within this little baking utopia where like politics and power dynamics don't really seem very present. I'm sure somebody's going to like call me out and tell me I'm wrong. But... like it's been life-giving to watch that show because I'm like, damn, this is like really lighthearted, upbeat, also very earnest. Like they're all really honest and just, uh, I don't know. I love that show, man. It's such a good That's show. That's dope. But who else, what, what is doing stuff well? I mean, the show Scum, I think, I mean, I have a podcast about it where right. we dissect every episode. That well, show is remarkable. Well, I mean, even just to decompress, like just shit that you've been on. Yeah. Stuff um, been like, I, I really like watching this was dope or listening to this was dope. Uh, I started watching The Office again, which is so funny. My brother was telling me about that the other day. He's oh yeah, like, yeah. He's like, he started rewatching The Office again it's too. It's funny. He's like, it's just such a good show. It's a smart show. Um, yeah, I think it's 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 funny. It's a good show. Uh, he, he and I are talking about this for like a, a second. I watched Ozark, which was such a waste of time. And you know my beef with Drake. I don't really yes. have beef with Drake, but freaking Drake. I watched an interview where he's wearing this. Like, turtleneck and i'm the hollywood reporter yes i'm i'm the biggest the one that looked stand. almost like a not a, it looked like <laughs> yes. one of those shirts that had yes. the like uh the choker built into yes. it until you realize it's not it's a turtleneck altogether. and they were like what's the best show on netflix or what is the, whatever and he said ozark so i was like oh this keeps coming up i'll watch it such a waste of my time damn did you his see his recommendations are whack did you see when they talk about what's something he's collecting Oh yeah, the handbags. Yeah, he's collecting handbags for when he has a for when he has a lady he's, he's collecting ridiculous. Um, Birkins, yes, like yeah. Birkins handbags. Um, yeah, Drake. He's he's a he's a character. Yeah. So yeah, but what character. am I like? What else have I been consuming? Um, Stormzy really has just brought me so much joy. I've also been watching like a lot of his interviews. I really like them. Um, Do you like Roy Woods? I don't know Roy don't Woods. Know his, he, I'm a Drake fan. Well, he's on the OVO. Oh, um, okay, thing. okay, But, okay. but he's, uh, he's, from, he's from Canada, too, but he's... Uh, oh, I just saw... I haven't really... I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. See an interview or something with him? He was pop, he's popping up recently because it's Yeah, I think because... So, again, like, everything I watch or do is, like, connected through. So, I think I was, um, like, on some Magic Jordan stuff, and then I think oh. it popped up as, like, a... What do you think of Magic Jordan? I like the 
them a lot. I haven't really listened to their newest stuff. I think they also just kind of have the like, they sort of have like a D-bag vibe. I think they intentionally, do, like, they're just, like, so unaffected all the yeah. time. And I'm just kind of like, okay. The one guy, he's, I mean, he's Arab, which is cool. Yeah. Um, I mean, what? yeah, I mean, I I like some of their stuff. I think. <laughs> well, okay, who else, who else is in your ear? And, and then I'll get you, I got a couple more questions for you. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm also almost out of battery. Shout out. Damn. Um, We're going to cut this a lot. You can just cut out all the salmonella stuff. And, <laughs> yeah, I love that. That's the best part. Okay, so that was that was the first question. Was there stuff that you wanted to... Oh, no, I was just like, I think for like things that I'm listening to as well, like I've just been so drawn to like UK artists. Okay. And I, I don't know why. Um, so I tried to write some down. It's definitely not a comprehensive list, but my number one artist of the last two years, not even just the year, is Jacob Banks. I think... He is an incredible musician. I think he potentially is going to blow up. I don't know. He's, I mean, he's definitely on the up and up. Um, I've been following him for a long time, and it's amazing because I just saw him perform a couple weeks ago. saw him perform in February. He was opening for another artist that I really like. Her name is Leon. Um, I think she's from Sweden. Uh, Jacob is from the UK. He was opening for her. Nobody there knew who he was. It was at Boon Saddle. Have you ever been there? Mm -hmm. Okay, so it's like basically a bar. And then in the back, the, it's actually not much bigger than this room. I mean, no, it's probably a little bit bigger, but literally like so it's this massive. Is this <laughs> massive. Honestly, <laughs> actually, it probably is about the size of your apartment. So like if this is the stage over here, like that's the standing room. That's it. Tiny place. So I saw him perform. I'm standing like as close as I am to you. And this was in February when he was opening, and I, I requested a song, and he kind of like froze, and he was like, oh man, like it's, I'm not even going to try to do his accent. Yeah. So imagine <laughs> this with a, a, an accent from, from <laughs> Birmingham, but he was like, oh, it's not on the set list, like, ah, uh, like, I got you next time. And I think he was so thrown off that anyone even knew. Yes. And so then I saw him a couple of weeks ago, and he performed the song, and then I met him after the show, because I had the set list from that initial show, I really wanted him to sign it. And he was like, so what did you think of Sink or Swim? Because he played the song in the set. And in my mind, I'm like, that was because of me. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. But like, what? I, you know, it's been months. He's played a million shows. I'm like, he doesn't remember me. He just added it to the set. And then when I met him, he's like, what did you think of the song? You know, what did you think of Sink or yeah. Swim? And I was like, you remember? <laughs> and he was like, I never forget that kind of shit. So, uh, I, he, so he's like one of those people that... I've had a positive experience, like in meeting him. Yes. Also, just his music is beautiful. Is it political in any way, or it's just it's some just, of it? Yeah, okay. but it's, again, it, it's it's like built into all of the art. Right, so right. He, I mean, he's also um, a I was going to say Nigerian American. He's not American. He's British. Um, but he was like born and raised in Nigeria. Initially, I think he moved. He said he moved to the UK at like thirteen ish. Mm. So he's got that kind of like split identity experience. Yeah. But he's also six four, maybe. So he's like a tall black man. Um, and he's pretty dark skinned. So like, again, like when I was saying, just people who are visible minorities making art is in and of itself a form of resistance or right. a form of activism. Um, but also certainly, yeah, some of his music, especially his music videos, um, if you check out his music video for chain smoking and for unholy war, uh, they definitely have political messages in them. Um, and he's so sweet. He's like the biggest physically biggest introvert I've ever met. Like, he gets on stage, does his thing, and then you meet him, and he's, like, pretty mellow. He's, like, pretty quiet. He's not very expressive. But as soon as he starts performing, it's incredible. Um, and his music is just... I've, I've never recommended his music and had somebody not like it. Um, so this is big, because I usually don't... 
I try to keep my good recommendations. Yeah. Um, so yeah, Jacob Banks, Stormzy. What about Daniel Caesar? Uh, he's on the list for uh -huh. me. I love Daniel Caesar and I love that I got to discover his music 100% on my own by accident through yeah. some Spotify thing. And so uh, it was We, F we Find Love. Um, and I was, when it came on, I was like, whoa. It was one of those moments where I was kind of like, shaken awake where I was like this is really beautiful Amazing. what is this um Kevin Abstract slash Brockhampton are killing it right now um do you listen to Brockhampton at all mm -hmm. oh, but they just dropped an album they did, yeah Saturation 3 there it's I don't necessarily like every single song so okay so this is what happened this is how I consume music I either like love just the tune and I'm like this is dope or like I'll fall in love with the artist or artists and then kind of love their music even more. Right. Because I'm invested. In it. And so like Brockhampton. So I can't, I learned about them because one of the artists, Kevin Abstract, um, has a song called Miserable America, which actually I discovered his song and uh, Daniel Caesar's. I think I was on the same like random, I was driving to work one day and they both just came on and I was like, that's what? A, that's a good this day. two dope songs in a yeah. row. Um, so yeah, Kevin abstract is um ridiculous on twitter he like tweets all day long but he yeah so he has this song called miserable america where he talks about being gay and his um just like kind of not being accepted by like certain family members or his uh i think it, the song he has a white boyfriend so it's that his like white boyfriend's parents are low-key high-key racist yeah. so it was i was like whoa this is an incredible song because to have a black artist talking about being gay it, that's like revolutionary you know it's like there's Frank Ocean and Tyler the Creator and now there's Kevin Apps like so it's like I, I don't know I just find that music so important and so then through him found out about Brockhampton which is I think it's like a collective of correction it's a boy band of like 13 ish 13 to 17 guys I can't exactly remember but it's just this kind of like ragtag group of guys that like all make music together and they recorded the entire album in his room um and they specifically refer to themselves as a boy band mm. and everyone calls them a group a collective or they'll put like boy band in quotes and kevin is like we're a freaking boy band <laughs> like that's what we are we're a boy band um so i love them i love both like what they represent but also just like i, I like a lot of their music um yeah, now I've got to refer to my list because I, I told you I always forget. Oh, Loyal Karner. He's another UK artist. He's a rapper. Love him. He's so endearing, but also I just really like his music. It's like got a different vibe. Um, another guy, Raleigh Ritchie. Who, do you watch Game of Thrones? I don't. Okay, well, to anyone who's listening to this who watches Game of Thrones, he plays, oh God, what is this character's name? Um, damn it. Oh my God, what's his name? That's dope. He even got on the show, though. What? Grey Worm, I think. Is that his name? Anyway, yeah, he's he's in the show, um, and I really like his music. I just kind of like his vibe. Um, who else am I listening to? Oh, Ray Black. She's another UK mm -hmm. artist. I need you to send all these rapper slash yeah, singer. So um, she's amazing. I got on to BB Borelli through Jacob Banks's concert. She's another great Baby artist. Really, she's dope. She did Ballin', right? Huh? She did that song Ballin'? I think so. Oh, I just got introduced so, to her stuff. Just the one, the that, one that I'm listening to. My landlord fucking hates me. 
Okay, so I have I had I took her set list from the show, but I don't have it on me. Well, she she also has the the song that stuck with me is called Untitled, and it's like she's also like written stuff for Rihanna. Yeah, she actually popped up. Bitch, better have my money, right? Mm-hmm. And she popped up in Stormzy's music video, which I just discovered two days ago. Ah. Dang, that's awesome. Um, Okay, so Skepta. I love Skepta's music, but he was a jerk. He's just not nice in real life. You met him? Uh, Kind of not really. So I went and saw him at the TLA, and I was having a low blood sugar, so I went to the Johnny Rockets to get a Sprite, and he was in there with his boys. Because I saw him... And I went to the show. This is why you never doubt yourself. I was with my little brother. We had just parked the car. It was like an hour and a half before the show. And I see this guy with a couple other guys. I mean, it's we're in Philly. It's not rare to see black people. <laughs> right, so right. it's not like that. But something about the way he was wearing his hoodie and the sunglasses, I was like, Abdullah, I, I think that's Skepta. And he was like, no, it's not. And I was like, okay, it's not. And I just had this nagging feeling. I was like, no, There's something sure about, him. dude, celebrities when you see in real life, you can tell. And I was like, it was him. So I had a feeling that they probably went to the Johnny Rockets because they walked down that way on South Street. Mm. I had a low blood sugar and needed to get something anyway. So I walk in. He's in there. It's empty. There's not a single person in there. He's with his boys. And I get my spray. I'm like trying to be cool, but also I like can't. So I was like, oh, you guys are before. I was like, I'm about to be at that show. And his, I don't know, his boy was like, yeah. Like he was just not feeling it. And I was like, I'm really hesitant because, you know, his, um, what is it? How does the song go? It's a. I don't know shit that well. He's like, I don't know why men's calling me family all of a sudden. Like, mm, my mom don't know your mom. Stop telling me you're my cousin. No, 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 no. Oh, something, something about like, can I get a pick for the gram? I was like, no, nah, sorry, man. I only socialize with the crew and the fam. Something like that. So in my mind, I was like, you know, he's not about that life. But also, I really want a picture. <laughs> yeah, so yeah. I asked, uh, I was like, oh, do you think I can get a picture with him? And he was like, no. Nah. Like, they were just cold. Like, cold. Like, yeah. they, were not, they were not nice. So that was disappointing. And I felt like his energy, like, when he performed, he didn't really care about, like, he wasn't really engaging with the fans. Yeah. You know, he was just kind of like, Going through whatever. And he had all these groupies in there. It was just kind of like, a, I don't know. I think I put too much stake in, like, human connection. Because I'm like, I really want to be like, I love your art. Like, yeah. I love your music. But sometimes it's like I forget that they're also just a person. And it's like right. they don't necessarily want to meet me. Yeah. But I also personalize it so much when it doesn't go well. Because I'm like, oh, what I do wrong? Yeah, oh same. Um, but yeah, no, I still, I, I like Skepta a lot. His music is is as grime as it gets. Right. Um, All right. And the last one I have to talk about, she's my artist of the year. Um, her name is Sigrid. She's from Norway. There's a, I've had this like special affinity with Norway for the last year. Man, um, they are killing it for I you. I love Norway. Orig- my initial love for Norway came from Nico Your love and Vins. just a lot of white people. No, yeah, right. No. <laughs> my love for Nico and Vins, who have the song Am I Wrong, which, you know, am I wrong? Thinking that we could be something for real. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So... Okay, this is another one of my like claim to fame moments because I found that song before it was even released in the States. I was on Spotify. I was like, yo, I'm sick of this music. It was like a bunch of just like the top 40, top 50, whatever. It was just like blech, white pop music that I didn't like. So I was like, I need to go international. Somehow stumbled on this song, Am I Wrong? 
At the time, they were called Envy. They weren't even Nico and Vin's yet. They were called Envy. And I heard it, and I was like, whoa, this song is amazing. Banger. And I think that was in, uh, it must have been, like, the fall of 2013. Because the song didn't get, like, huge until summer of 2014. Yeah. Wow. It was that long ago. Yeah. That's crazy. I still remember. So I heard the song, I think it was in 2013. Yeah, and I'm being like, yo, these guys are amazing. Like, this song, people, and I sent it to, like, friends, and everybody was kind of like, I don't know. Like, nobody ever take, this is why I don't recommend music anymore, because nobody respects a good recommendation. Now people ask me for them, because they know that I know know, what's happening. Yeah, they know you know Um, what's up. But then the song blew up, and I was like, man, I've been telling you guys about this (laughs) song. But so, so then I found out that they were from Norway, and I was like, interesting. Like, there, it's two black guys. Um, Nico is half Norwegian, half Ivorian. I think his dad's from the Ivory Coast. And then Vin's is first-generation Ghanaian. Mm. And so then it was kind of this cool moment of like, oh, there's black people in Norway. You know, because we're all... St- and then they were on uh, Ebro. They were on Hot 97, interviewed with Ebro. It was the same kind of like dumb conversation, like Americans being like, oh my God, can you believe there's black people in yeah, Norway? Because yeah, yeah. all I ever think about are tall blonde women. Right. Which they were like, yeah, there's a lot of them. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. So yeah, that started my love with for Norway. And then Scum happened, slash this artist named Sigrid, who just like debuted this year. Um, and she dropped this single called Don't Kill My Vibe. And I played it once, and I was like, yeah, this is pretty good. And, like, I started playing it more and more. I was like, this is a vibe. So as they just grow mm-hmm. on you like that. And then she didn't have any other music out yet. And the song started blowing up, and she only had this one single. So I'm just like, who is this artist? Um, and so I've been on her for so long. I think she dropped her song maybe in February of this year. And then she just, like, blew up. Like, she really started to come up this year. She was one of um, Apple Music's like featured artists, uh, what do they call them? I forget the name for it. I know what you like, mean, that those little segments mm-hmm. too. Ebro might interview them for like mm-hmm. 10 minutes. Yep. And uh, yeah, so she like started releasing singles and every time she dropped a song, I was like, this is a good pop song. I really like it. And her first song, I think was about uh, some guy who tried to screw her over. He was a producer that was like not respecting her like writing ability and totally just kind of like, Trying to make it seem like she's just... Because she's young. I think she's, like, maybe 18, 19. Oh, wow. And it was just kind of being, like, oh, she doesn't know. Like, she can sing, but, like, I'm the producer. So she fired him and, like, wrote this song. And, like, the song... And I, So when I read that story, I was like, that is awesome. Like, I like this girl. Yeah. Um, so she's, for sure, like, my artist of the year. I know I'm forgetting a ton of people that if I listen back to this, I'm going to be like, how did you forget that? Artist? Either way, I, I want to put them in the show notes. So that way people can... Oh, sweet. Myself sweet, included. Because then... So stay tuned. Check those shits out because we'll have them in there. Um, all right. So last few questions and I'll get you out of here because I got to bounce too. Um, what is the best advice you've ever been given? Oh, God. And by who? Or maybe some of the best advice you've ever been yeah. given. You know, I like a lot of times I think about if I'm ever going to get interviewed, I should have answers for hypothetical questions like this because <laughs> I'm so bad at thinking of answers. Um... advice I don't I'm really bad at taking advice so um actually probably like recent some some decent advice that I've gotten lately um from multiple people is just not feeling like I need to rush into my next job but Mm. like which has been really helpful for me to hear because there is this anxiety about like oh you don't have a job you but I really want to find something that I'm happy doing so I think all the people that are just being like it's, it's a combination of advice and like 
affirmation. Like you're good. Yeah. Take some time to chill. So yeah. Figure it out. I really, I really have been taking that advice to heart by not (laughs) being able to get get a job. Um, if you're look, if you're hiring, let me know. Um, all right. And then, uh, if you could give a Ted talk, Mm. uh, on anything, but it's sort of outside of your normal bread and butter, um, what would it be on? So it can't be on social justice. Can't be on the normal shit you write about. Damn, okay, it can't be on. Okay, so it, if I want, if I gave a TED talk on, on something that I'm not like well versed right. on already, or right. Mm, probably like I, I would probably something like pottery and the benefit of making something with your hands or something That's like that. That's dope. Yo, I definitely take that. Okay. Um, what are three, two or three books that you really like to gift? Mm. Um, so it's like a two-in-one. Pedagogy of the Oppressed slash Education for Critical Consciousness by Paolo Freire. Mm. Because... I had to read that in college. Yo, Talk about, like, when I read his stuff, it was, like, answers to questions I didn't even know I had. Or answers to questions that have been inside me for so long that I would try to understand, particularly being Libyan American and trying to... I I, I wrote my thesis, essentially, based on his theories of, um, yeah, like, how oppressed peoples can resist successfully. And it was, like, everything he said applied to Libya yeah and like these were questions that I'd had growing up so those two as a package because I had to read them together in college and I think oh man he's brilliant um <clears throat> can that be one that can be one okay I was gonna make that one too okay. so you can edit that pauses easy. out right like while I'm thinking <laughs> nope uh, um, all of this is staying in I have a whole list of like book recommendations but they're all they're all social justice books. um Oh, so my cousins just, they had a baby a year ago. And when she gets a little bit older, I really just want to gift her everything by Roald Dahl. So like Matilda. Oh, um, Roald Dahl's the truth. BFG. Just everything. Like I, those books added so much magic to my childhood. So I like, I, and I, I gave my cousin, uh, I'm lumping these two together. Roald Dahl yeah. slash Shel Silverstein. Silverstein, bro. Lighten the, the two attic, of them. They, Yeah, I, so I gifted her like a box set of, where like the, his, sidewalk his ends. Like the sidewalk ends, dog, the attic. man. I read that stuff so now, and I'm like, he's a genius because he's talking about like deep stuff, but in a way that's accessible to children. So I remember being a kid and reading it and loving it, and now being a fake adult and reading it and still loving <laughs> yeah. it. Yeah, and uh, I think he did all his own illustrations. I think. I think you're right. Yes, he did. Which is mm-hmm. crazy for each one of yeah. those. I think he because he had his illustrations are so unique too. Mm-hmm. Like. Yeah, so yeah. like those classics, and Didn't then popping people be blowing you up. Yeah, literally my mom <laughs> in the family group chat. Yo, my mom, where you at? I, I need I need more text, ma. I think she does bubble tea. She might want bubble tea. Um, and then oh, see, there's okay. I know you didn't say favorite, but there there always feels like there's so much stake, you know, in the game when you ask somebody like because uh-huh. I feel like that like this is it. Like if this I get is, this wrong, it's like damn, those are her recommendations. Uh, this is and it. And I've already yeah. I've already gone two for one for each one. <laughs> you can um, another two for if you want it. Okay, it might be. It, see, this is part of the whole like 
collecting information is I feel like I have so much information in my brain sometimes I can't even access it. Oh yeah. It's like jam-packed full of like I know I know a lot of books. I know I know a lot of artists. Mine's just like 75% porn and then like <laughs> mostly else is hip hop so that's why I Mine just is like go through life. 50% me constantly working through theoretical approaches to social justice and just like applying it to different circumstances like in my life or like I'm macro gonna, micro I'm just like kind of always thinking I about need it I to cop that answer <laughs> mine is such a stereotypical white male answer too just like we're gonna work on it yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm, tr- I'm trying you are yeah. you, you are I think you're like genuinely receptive and open to like I know I'm I gonna like try. you as a white rapper yeah. <laughs> there's <laughs> spots the, now they're the opening third, up okay wait wait let me think book book um and this one can be a twofer. If you were like, these are just also some other ones that I really dig. Yeah. Well, okay. Can I ask you a question in return? Who am I giving the book to? Nope. <laughs> no, um, to me, this whole interview is just, this is all self-serving. This podcast, oh, okay. it's under the How guise of other you... people. But these are really just my book recommendations for. I don't know. Work. Probably like, uh, I'm not giving you a self-help book because I know. I know. Those are the ones <laughs> I'm hoping are in there. What, what are some of your favorite um, self-help books? You read any of those lately? No. No. I never finish them. I always find them pro- like corny or problematic. So or I'm like, funny. this is just about manipulation. I love Like how to win friends and influence people. That, I think that was the first conversation I we ever had. I was like, this is garbage. Shit. I love that. It's so true. Uh, if you haven't read that, folks, read that. Miriam is hating on the shit, but it's dope. I mean, I'm really still trying to figure out. Because I'm like, I have all these social justice books. And I'm like, no, be fun. Because I can be yeah. fun. I guess, okay, no, there was Matilda and Michelle Silverstein stuff. We can take a social justice one. Um, you into any, like, Malcolm Gladwell, like, social science type shit? No, he's also been canceled for a different reason. Oh, wow. All my favorite programs have been canceled. Uh, yeah. I also met him in real life once, and he's as awkward as you'd imagine. Oh, really? He's, like, so highly intellectual. Yeah. Man, I don't know. What books... This is, I know this is supposed to be an easy, quick question. You're like, damn, I shouldn't even ask her. We're trying to wrap this shit up. And she's like spending half an hour. With me. So I'm like, this is also a problem is that I'm a perfectionist. And so I always feel like everything has to be right. Like I can't. You can't fuck this answer. up. Yeah. What are your top five hip hop albums? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, I'm just fucking with you. Okay. So while you're thinking of it, mm-hmm. and we can always put in the show notes too. Before you go, what's up? What's, what's coming up for you? Where can people find you? Tell the people yeah. where to reach you if they, if they want to reach out. I know Twitter's your kind of bread and butter. If you wanna, if you wanna get woke, hit up Miriam. What what are your all your handles? I'll put all the show notes too. Oh, yeah. What are your handles um, and shit? So my handles are all at Miriam L R B. Just plan my last name L R B, but L R B. Uh, yeah. So that's pretty much where you can find me. I try to keep my branding consistent. Yeah. Uh, it's like a family inside joke thing. The whole last name thing. So we all our handles are like, our name L R B. Um. What am I up? I'm really still thinking about this book. No. <laughs> Honestly, you know what? Fine. I'm just going to say this is a seven for one. I'll just box the entire Harry Potter set because that was like as a kid, those are the books that I read over and over. And I think that really developed my love of reading and like the reason I can now read like heavy social justice type stuff and have it mean something. Yeah. J.K. Rowling probably never knew that was what was happening when she set out for it. I mean, it sucks because she's also problematic now too because she's still keeping Johnny Depp on her. Anyway. Like I said, if I had a podcast that I started tomorrow just of me talking, it would literally be everything's problematic and here's why. And I would yeah. just go through the list of every single person we love, just breaking down. But I think it's okay. I think I'm at a place now where I'm learning that 
it's not ever going to be perfect and I need to put that perfection like tendency aside and recognize that all of my heroes are going to have flaws. Some of them are really significant and <laughs> problematic and need to be addressed. Yeah. But I think I'm at a place where I'm less gutted by right. it. You know, like I had a friend ask me the other day, uh, are there any men left that you like idolize that you would be devastated to find out that they were a creep? Because all these exactly. allegations of sexual right. assault and sexual misconduct are finally coming to light. And I've been chewing on that question for two weeks and I still can't think of literally any, any man that I would be shocked to find because i'm just kind of like i don't really have faith in any of them anyway. that's a great place to end it no i'm no, just kidding you know that's also a great yeah. a great a I great mean, you know, concept to have because we're all we're it's all it's all I gray don't area. expectation anymore no, i think yeah men are um, are wacky and that it's good to know that about men and to to ha- yeah. to know that to not people aren't as sparkly and yeah everybody's human yeah so, so your last question real quick yeah yeah so the Find me online, whatever you can follow. Everything is public. I should probably make it private while I'm looking for like that new, I've applied to a couple jobs. So whatever. I figure let them see, like, because I bring my full self anywhere I go and right. I'm pretty transparent, clear. It's, I'm going to listen to this and be like, God, <laughs> no, no, no. Um, so I'm kind of like, whatever, let them see what they're going to get. Like yeah. it's a whole package, but maybe to my detriment. Um, so yeah, I'm like all over, I'm on social media all the time. Uh, but what am I doing? So we have a Scum Watch podcast. So that's a show about podcast about the show that we love so i would highly recommend that people check that out um hopefully going to be doing some more writing you have a blog or something where they can find you i do um it's currently being used for a job application to feature some of my writing samples cool so maybe i'll tell you what the name of it is that you can feature in the notes but not yet until i hear back from deal (laughs) from the job deal uh yes i'll be uh posting stuff maybe trying to post some more videos just like talking about the kind of stuff that we're talking about um and watching the great british bake-off ladies you heard it here first (laughs) orion radio signing off